the hell are you guy? Dude! Your tunes! Come on, guys. Stop fooling around. We are running away with the carnival. It's a real freak show double of Albert Band's Ghoulies 2 and Toby Hooper's Sublime The Fun House. And here with me is the only person I can think of to take on this uh, type of double. He's my Kanye in crime. He's already got his Ghoulies t-shirt on. He's real. I love it so much. Um, he's the VHUS or VHS host and also Source Magnet. It's Dirk Marshall. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> really good. Really good. Thank you for having me back. No, thank you. Um, I really wanted to talk about Funhouse and for some reason attach ghoulies onto it. And I thought, well, there's only one person I can ask to do this double. It is the biggest ghoulies fan I know, and that is you. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. I was so excited that you were having me back. And then when you told me the two films, I was like, I can't believe that this is happening because you know, my my film tastes uh, as a youth, full moon movies are, are truly wonderful. Um, but growing up in my dad's video store, Empire Pictures is what really captured my heart. Um, the poster for Eliminators is one of my favorite images ever. Uh, Ghoulies, Trancers, Terror Vision, uh, Reanimator, From Beyond, Robot Jocks. It's just like all of these boxes, all of the art uh, I would look at every day. And it all was Empire Pictures. So... Um, Albert and Charles Band are like, you know, video store aisle heroes of mine. So this is a, this is a really, real honor to be here. I even pitched a Empire Pictures draft to screen drafts. Um, I knew it was a long shot. So uh, Clay, ball's in your court. Um, but yeah. It will happen one day, I'm sure. Because you know, Empire Pictures is a very special thing. As much as I do enjoy Full Moon, when you think of Charles Band's um, producer output, it is always the Empire. It is, yeah, you're right, Trances. It is, mm-hmm. um, actually, I think Doll Man might be Full Moon. Um, yeah. I always get confused about where that in. I think it's the 80s and then the 90s it starts on Full Moon. But, um, yeah, the Trances and Eliminator and the Ghoulies are just these b- bizarre creatures <laughs> of movies. I don't know how else to describe them. You just watch them and you're just going wait hang on a minute um no money but yet all the money's been put on screen they're really imaginative but done in a very kind of weird anyway we'll get into what we get into um ghoulies and of course the 
father of all amazingness that is the Toba Hooper and Funhouse. But first, yes. you season nine of VHUS coming up, don't you? Yes, yes. I just got back the first episode of season nine. It's been a long time coming. It's such a relief to have things going. We had to change up things in the studio and a lot of other stuff that I'll skip over, but it's all aligned and I'm back and I'm super excited to be uh, in season nine. And and also um, this season, we have a co-host. My wife, Sarah, is joining me and we're going to flip-flop episodes. So it'll be an official VHS episode where the person has the profession portrayed in the film and then it'll be a new release late return in between where people come on and shout out whatever they love in entertainment followed by a quick look back at an old forgotten gem most likely empire (laughs) yeah (laughs) there will be some for sure i mean getting to spend we talked about this in 2021 uh so getting to spend some time with this double feature i was really dipping back into some some wells of my youth here and so i'm i'm excited to talk about so many things Charles Band related. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Um, just because your corner of the video store has always been my favorite corner of like movies I didn't always watch, but I just remember seeing those boxes. Yeah, and yeah. And you say that movie, I'm like, I don't know the movie, but I remember seeing it at the video store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, and there's some of them that like I kept taking and watching over and over and over because the box art was so good. And then you watch it and you're like, this isn't a movie that's on the box. <laughs> what is this? Well, you know, it was a master of. I know the likes of Roger Corman could also pull this off, but yes, nothing like Charles Band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Creepazoids was one of the ones where I, I yeah, that movie. I would keep. I've seen it so many times, and every time I'm like, I'm trying to make this. It's kind of like Death Stalker we talked about, where you're like trying to, in your mind to be like, I mean, I'm I'm having fun here, but this is not <laughs> what that is. No, it's something different. Yes. Um, any hints of the professions that might be coming up in the ninth season? No spoilers for movies or anything who is coming on, but is there any professions you wanted to sort of say, hey, what uh, Yeah, well, one of the, I'm doing two different office worker films hmm. because it's a profession that so many people have, or at least hmm. had pre-pandemic, um, but it's different um, for each person, even though the settings are so similar and so i'm really excited about contrasting those two um what else we have an actor returning for this season sarah burns is back for season nine yeah i'm very excited about that one that's gonna be a fun movie where that's a david lynch film so i'm very excited about that uh we're talking about my favorite movie of all time the reflecting skin will be an episode of this season uh where i kind of am bending the two formats together because i was gonna say how do you do reflecting skin as a profession (laughs) well i I almost got a gas station employee but uh which would have worked but it just didn't, I don't know. I always kind of go with a general vibe. For instance, season nine, episode one, the first guest is Paxton Holly. He is on three different podcasts, Cult Film Club, uh, Hellbent for Letterboxd, and I read movies. And he works in an office. So I chose the movie Office Killer, having never seen it. And that's just like a prime example of like how things just, I just go off feeling. And okay. so for the reflecting skin, I picked a guest who I I won't reveal who it is, but they were telling me that they had left their job and were kind of at an impasse sort of in life. And and Dolphin Blue in in the reflecting skin has a very kind of, um, you don't really know why she's there, so to speak. And, And so I just, that feeling was something that I was like, 
I like this. I think this will open up into a wider conversation and that it means I get to talk for 60 to 90 minutes about my favorite movie of all time. So that's what's going to happen. That is sometimes what you have to do. I mean, I wanted yeah. to talk about the fun house and I was like, going, I could get Dirk on and I could, because I, I didn't know how big a fan you were of the fun house one before. I, uh, yeah. I was using the ghoulies to entice you. Well, if I can sure. talk about ghoulies, then I yeah. talk about fun house. Um, <laughs> And you went, I love the fun house as well. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear what your trailers are. I am. I'm ready. Me too. So we might as well get into it. We're sitting in the theater. Um, we're all boosted. Like I am officially and just boosted. <laughs> yes. I, can't, same. I, I cannot lift my right arm at this current moment in time. So, um, and the curtains are opening. Um, we're going to be starting with ghoulies because how could you not? Right. Um, and the trailers are starting. Dirk, what do you show for your first trailer for Ghoulies? Okay, so I had a big runner-up, and I'm I'm hoping that you didn't choose this because mm-hmm. we were kind of going back and forth. But I think if we did a, you know, like a screen draft of trailers that should show with these two movies, mm-hmm. I think the number one pick people would choose would either be an old classic that I won't say the name of, or it would be Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which I didn't choose. No. I- you see that? Something different. There's no shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? <laughs> Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Didn't choose it, but it's such a good trailer and it fits so well. Really does. But you, both, but you know, both, both the movies, yeah. So, I, you know, I have to mention it just because, you know, it's... A pre, it's pre, let's call it a pre-trailer to the actual Yeah, trailer. it's <laughs> just, I mean, I don't want people to be mad that we didn't pick it, but uh, you know how this goes. You get passionate about the things you're choosing and the different ways they connect. You know, the art of schlock and awe where you're like, ooh, this goes this way and this goes this way. And so... And um, both, it kind of settles over both movies really well um, because yeah. it's an imaginative, crazy oh my God, what's John Vernon actually saying? The killer class from outer space. <laughs> yes. I think it's worth the price of admission alone. And then you think, yeah. I don't like, I love, actually, no, I don't love all clown horror movies. So I look at it and it's like, I, no, no, no. Um, but I generally do love some clown horror movies, mainly. Mm-hmm. But, and killer clowns. Because um, they're creepy as all fuck. And they <laughs> just, you're just watching it. But I can't remember the brothers' names who directed it. But um, Kyoto Brothers, yeah. Brothers. They have, they, it's all about the effects and all about the gags and all about mm-hmm. the kind of the, oh my God. And it's just such a fun movie. It's kind of like a great mixture of 80s slasher and 1950s sci-fi that it's, yes. um, yeah. So let's just call that our pre-free trailer. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. Because yeah. then to get into the ghoulies mode, I chose The Cleanse from 2018. Join us. Welcome. As you try a brand new program and face your demons today. Come on, let it out. What? Out. Ah! Ah! Mm. Thank you so much. And now, your cleansing kit. Each kit contains four drinks that you must consume by the end of the day. 
the next stage would be the elimination process. Question, when you say elimination process, you, you mean like... <laughs> Please tell us about The Cleanse because I forgot to watch the trailer for this and this is a special Dirk special where I had not heard of this movie before. Oh, great. Yeah, so this is a horror comedy starring Johnny Galecki from Roseanne, The Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Um, it also stars Oliver Platt and Angelica Houston. Holy shit. Um, yeah, it's about a retreat where people go and they drink this beverage, um, you know, like a juice cleanse kind of thing. The only twist is that when you uh, when you throw up or you expel something, yeah. uh, what comes out is actually a small little goblin that kind of represents all of the kind of problems or issues that you have in your life, but it's adorable. And uh, it's this very interesting small film. And like I said, it's a horror comedy, but the concepts are very interesting when, when people are carrying around these like flop little goblin creatures. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really something. And I think the trailer, because it's not a widely known film, I think would really play really well at this point in the evening. I've just seen a picture of the little goblin there yeah. get, and uh, it's kind of adorable. It um, is. Yeah, and also Kyle Dalner, who I'm only going to mention because I've just seen this new screen movie and he pops up in that. Oh, um, great. Yeah. Um, no, this looks absolutely amazing. It's also called The Master Cleanse, and mm-hmm. I see it's really available. So I have no excuse not to watch that movie. Um, but that looks absolutely um, incredible. Yeah, that, that, that is an adorable little goblin that you vomit up. It's yeah. kind of like, like the stuff a little bit just in terms of the thing that you digest and then comes out of you just in a very different way yeah yeah it's it's it plays on a lot of things it's really interesting um in fact it's something i looked at for season nine and i was like i i knew some people in juice cleanses but it was just uh I don't know if I could keep that to 60 minutes because people that run juice cleanse businesses really like to talk about juice cleanse businesses. So I've known um, people who um, have gone on juice cleanse yes. before and they're usually very grouchy for like a month. Um, right. Eat something other than juice. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> please, just for my own sanity. But no, that is absolutely perfect. And I kind of I love that. Okay, what were my trailers again? Um, okay, yep. You know what? I am going to go for another movie, a trailer for a movie that I think kind of hangs, well, a director who I think kind of hangs over both these these movies. Um, and that is Todd Browning. But I am going to go for not one of his more classics. Um, well, I think it's a classic. I'm going to go for The Devil Doll from 1936. In a sensational statement by the prefect of police today, it was admitted that Paul Levon, former bank president, convicted of looting his own bank and killing a watchman, escaped from prison four months ago. <laughs> Thank you a thousand times, monsieur. You'll never know how happy it makes me to leave one of my dolls in your beautiful home. There's something in this house. This is an authentic little replica itself. <laughs> Isn't there? Whatever you are, in God's name, listen and have mercy. I'll confess. Oh, um, yes. Barry, uh, Barry um, oh, Lionel Barrymore, sorry. Um, this is kind of one of his, he made freaks and then everyone fainted and he couldn't make movies he wanted anymore. So he got <laughs> the devil doll. But in saying that, it is about an evil scientist, Lionel Barrymore, because of course, um, who... Uh, makes these kind of little tiny little doll creatures to go get revenge on the people that he wants revenge on. 
it's like a cool little I don't know if it's even universal I think it might be um cheap universal but horror movie but it is absolutely kind of a delight and it's still got that kind of magic Todd Browning um uh, maniacalness that both these movies have and I really wanted to put a Todd Browning trailer so but I'm going the devil doll Excellent. I love that. I, the, the Freaks is the classic one I was going to say when we were talking about uh, things yes. to pick for a trailer. That's that and Killer Clowns. I was like, that's where my brain goes instantly with these two Me films. Too. But yeah, yeah um, but then, the yeah. yeah, it's I mean, it's one of us. It's the you know, it's it's yeah. it's amazing. But Devil Doll is super fun as well. Yeah, Devil Doll is no Freaks or no Dracula, let me, or sure. the unknown. There are so many other amazing program movies, but I do have a small spot, which by the way, Blu-ray, please. I mean, we have one of Mad Love, yeah. one of Devil Doll. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of um, this really cool little movie. And I think there is an, ins- which he may even probably uh, kind of suit more um, Toby Hooper, but in terms of this kind of wicked humor, like that red humor. Um, mm-hmm. that, has and I think that even Charles Band and Albert Band tend to have a little bit of that red humor. Oh yeah, um, as well. So I kind of wanted to put that in there. So yeah, and there is actually a trailer because there was a DVD release like ten years ago, which is now to print, which I have a really dodgy copy of. But we need a really nice updated blue for this movie. I think we're letting Todd Browning down if we don't have it. So I'm just choosing that to put it out there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. What is your second trailer? Okay, second trailer, I went with a horror sequel because we're talking about a horror sequel that involves small, tiny things. It's another director that I think loves uh, visual trickery and in-camera effects. Um, It's The Gate 2 from 1990. Yes! Gate 2. The problem wasn't that we opened the gate. The problem was that we didn't do it right. Demonology. Evil against evil. Interdimensional contact with beings whose power can be used for anything you want. Anything. Inside the circle! It's working! This time, it's not coming through your backyard. Get up! Ah! Oh my god! This time, it comes through you. Another director who came to mind when I was thinking of these movies. Yes. Um, Tibor Takics is. Takics, yes. He's he's so great. And the second one, you can find a YouTube behind the scenes where they're doing one of the forced uh, perspective shots with the tiny little goblin guys. And it's so creative and inventive and just wonderful to see how he set up these shots that nowadays it would just be CG or whatever. But it's like. Ah, it's just it's just such a great effect. Um, the film follows four teens who conjure up a wish-granting demon. Uh, the trailer's great. It's kind of a cheat because it has special effects from the first movie. Um, so I kind of get <laughs> I kind of get I get Gate One and Gate Two all in one trailer, which is a bonus. Um, yeah, so I just I just love it. I do love the original Gate. I haven't seen Gate Two, but I do know of it and be meaning to watch it. But it's I very remember fun. seeing Gate the Gate original and just been kind of going. This is so charming. This is just, I mean, yeah. it's a baby Stephen Dorff. I mean, I love yeah. the redhead with the glasses, who I believe was the main one in the sequel. Um, but yes. these little creatures are just so 
goddamn maniacal in their yeah. maniacal. It's a way to say it. Um, no. I'm going to be saying maniacal a lot during this double. I oh, perfect. But it's just, yeah, this is just a perfect, perfect trailer. And uh, for my second trailer, I am also going for Little Creatures, who are insane. Um, but I'm going for also the sequel, I think. I don't know how to show Ghoulies without having a Gremlins trailer, but I'm going to go for Gremlins 2 as well. And the most important warning of all, we told you to never, ever get them wet. You didn't listen. They're mutating. Sir, it's the building on fire. No, no, that's a false alarm. Are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Nice. One of my favorite movies of all time. I loved yeah. this movie as a kid. I even, after watching the first one, I even, my aunt had a cat called Gizmo who I would just flip with water to see if she would multiply. But Gremlins is one of those special movies that you watch and you're like, even as a kid, wondering, how did he, John, Joe Dante even get away with this or the makers of this movie? I mean, yeah. Gremlins is not just Gremlins. It's all the Gremlins. It has, like, the female Gremlin who was, like, the fruit on her head who's yeah. doing things for Robert Picardo. Um, It has... It's all set in sort of this corporate kind of office building. It's, you know, he's taking stabs at Donald Trump before anyone else was. Um, <laughs> it's, no, it is an, an amazing movie. And uh, you, it is very true with the peel and peel sketch. He, yes. Yes. Of when Joe Dante is just throwing out all these ideas, all these ideas. And um, they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And you're like, that wouldn't be in a movie. You watch Grimless, you're like, oh, it's in a movie. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it in the theater, so I actually got to experience the film break that happens oh, when. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, and it really worked. Like we just were like, <laughs> "What is happening?" And then it's Hulk Hogan, isn't it, that pops yeah. up in the yes. yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good it's a good time. It's really that's a wild movie. Yeah, it is a wild movie, and the fact that they gave him money to make that movie because if I have to make another goddamn um, Gremlins movie, I'm doing a Looney Tunes version of it. So. Um, that is my final trailer. So with that, we I should be absolutely all kind of in the small creature mood because we are going into one of the ultimate small creature movies. Albert Band and Charles Band, uh, Ghoulies 2. The carnival's back in town with all your old favorites. The Ferris wheel, the roundup, the octopus, beautiful girls, a spook house, bumper cars, and a special added attraction. It's got Ghoulies 2. <laughs> Now we did touch on the fact that this is a, well, Empire movies is a really important to you. What is it about yes. Ghoulies in particular? Okay, well, so I'm a huge Ghoulie fan. Uh, I think one is a solid little satanic creature feature. Uh, gave us Mariska Hargitay, which is mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Uh, two, expands on the Ghoulie roster, which is awesome. It keeps things moving. Because yeah. um, like in the first one, we have rat, cat, fish, 
Clown, and Flying Ghoulie. In two, we have Rat, Cat, Fish, Flying, Giant, and Toad. Yes. And then <laughs> uh, three introduces Talking Ghoulies. It's the first one directed by John Carl Beekler. Yes. And, and it has the first film appearance of Matthew Lillard. So just in the first three, that's pretty great for, for Ghoulies. And then four, unfortunately, happens. That's directed by Jim Warnowski. It doesn't have <laughs> any of the original Ghoulies. Uh, which is crazy, and it just has two little people in not the best, I'll say, I don't want to be critical, um, <laughs> goblin masks, and they're called Light and Dark. It makes no sense. The fourth one's just a cop movie that for some reason has coolies in it. It's Anyway, that's not why we're here. We're here for number two, and two for me is like uh, if you had an opening band for the master band that you were here to see that's sort of what ghoulies 2 is for me for the fun house it's like smaller budget it's got some whimsical stop motion animation sequences i i just think the creatures are fun how they give them kind of an attitude before they can even speak um i love the story about how uh i think was it albert band that came up with the image of the ghoulie in the toilet and that wasn't in the first movie. And so then they shot footage to put it in the movie. I love that. I love that the ghoulie never wears suspenders and yet they just ran with it. It's just such a weird thing. And so they just keep having fish come out of toilets like this. <laughs> like they think that's why we're there. <laughs> but it's never because someone's on a toilet. It's just like, oh, it's, I love all the weirdness about it, all the quirkiness. Why they're a fish, a cat. <laughs> it's like it just doesn't. They don't have names. It no, just... they don't. They just have the random noises which they're assigned, and therefore that's the animal they are. Which I yeah, love. like I forgot about because I haven't seen the first. Ghoul- I haven't seen the first ghoul- Ghoulies in ages, and for some reason it's Ghoulies two that I keep going back to. It's um, the most fun. It's the most fun, and I forgot that when I always forget that they're, de- they're demonic creatures that someone's always summoning yeah. people trying to send them back to hell, and the fact that you know they have these random animal sounds, and so every time I watch it, I'm like. Holy shit, that sounds like a cat. Um, and yeah. I just smile. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why I like ghoulies. Um, or the, the second one in particular. Um, now, if that you've described the fourth one, and I know it's Jim Moriski, and I never have, I'm always a little bit trepidatious when it comes to his movies. I'm like, oh, sure. Man, I'm going to freaking see ghoulies for one time. I will realize that's my fault, and I just made that choice on my own, which is when you always put on a Jim Krasinski movie. <laughs> is this going to be Chopping Mall, or is this going to be... Something softcore with ghoulies in it? Yeah, which is um, kind of what more of it is. Uh, I did an episode on the third Ghoulies, Ghoulies Go to College, with yes, a guest that was a college professor. So I did. <laughs> Thank you. I really enjoyed that one a lot. But the thing I forget is that Ghoulies 2 is my probably my favorite Ghoulies movie because the third one, John Carl Beekler designed the initial Ghoulies and, mm-hmm. and then the third one is where he finally steps in to direct. And he does kind of the Joe Dante Gremlins 2 thing where they can talk and they're wisecracking and doing funny jokes. Richard yes. Kind is the voice of the cat one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just super fun and weird. But as far as like a Ghoulies purist, if we were just looking at one and two... Um, I think too is just it's just so well orchestrated. It's it's so lean how they're just like okay we're gonna start off 
with this man carrying a sack being chased by three people in robes. And then he drops what's in the sack into toxic waste that's in a gas station. But they're already ghoulies, right? So it's just like, what? This was my question. Why a gas station? (laughs) It's Um... so weird. (laughs) So Um, weird. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, it's, so you just got the sort of scene, we're in a gas station, which is obviously, okay, we can film here and we can have an excuse for why our main, the main characters, our carnies, kind of pull up to it in the first place. Yeah. Because um, there's this great moment where um, the guy's already been dunked in the in the waste. Like, he's yep. he tried to say the satanic, satanic um, thing to try and put them back into hell. They've already kind of dumped him in there. And there's kind of this great... Um, moment where everyone's pulled up, um, Royal, Larry, and um, uh, can't remember his name. He's actually the great, he's actually a really good actor and really good in this. Phil, Phil Fond, um, Fondacaro. Um, the oh, yes, actor. yes, yes. And, um, and it, it, this is a great shot because usually when you have cut shots, it's usually to show, um, say, something's about to happen, but you're just using two shots. So, say, like, mm-hmm. someone's next to the, the ghoulies are next to the truck and they're about to, and you keep cutting back to the back door of the truck to show that yeah. the ghoulies are going to go in. But when Albert's doing this, the ghoulies are way still in the um in the garage. They're not even yeah. near. So you're just constantly going, ghoulies, truck, ghoulies, truck. Are they going to oh, they're still in? Are they going to get to the goddamn truck? Because you're nobody yeah. telling me that they're going to go into the truck, but they are still like 10 meters away. <laughs> and in ghoulies terms, that's a kind of a walk. Um, and I Yeah, but they of- stroll so casually too. <laughs> It's like this amazing stop motion animation scene of them like leisurely strolling. <laughs> it's like so funny. <laughs> to the truck, and no one's noticing. No one's noticing them stealing gas because they're a little. What thing I love about a ghoulie is that they're little stinkers. It's Tim's yep. the first and the second one, and 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 the third. Um, they are just little stinkers. They are just. Um, but what I do like about the ghoulies too, they're actually generally trying to help. They've decided that they like this fun house and they want it to do well, but they're just gonna randomly kill people yes but but for the show which people apparently like um yeah we'll get into that but yeah i just love how albert band is just like they're gonna get in the truck no they're not yes they are like why do you keep showing me this locked door of a truck this like closed door with a padlock sitting on it and then the ghoulies are way over there just go walking 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 (laughs) no one's noticing us they do that when they get into the carnival as well they just kind of waltz in and no one's like noticing them at all i'm just like those are four weird, freaky things, and you're just—they're just like, "Hey, we're in a carnival, yay!" <laughs> yeah, it's so—I just love how they are completely oblivious to that they're in a different like dimension, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, just walk over here, cat." There's no hiding or anything. It's just uh, so weird. I love it. it. it that, yeah, it, it's kind of the charm of ghoulies, is because especially in the second one, because in the first one it's all in a house, and this mm. one they're actually out in kind of. Well, not the world, because they're at Carnival, which is a very different thing to out in the world. But, right. Um, they're in the sort of Carnival, and because it's a Carnival, they're just like, yeah, let's go, let's hang out. Especially when they leave the fun house and go party in the Carnival, which was probably some of my favorite moments. <laughs> yes, it takes a while. For a while, they're just super stoked to be in Satan's Den or whatever. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I love... I just saw the new Nightmare Rally, and that fun house was also called Satan's something or other and i was like yeah, like, <laughs> oh yeah we don't have it streaming i think until february 1st because i was going to watch it for this as well yeah it we only just got it in 
it only just got released to it for theater, so we didn't even have it streaming. So I, oh, okay. I went to a very quiet screening of it and sat in the back and just went, wait, is Goma Totoro referencing ghoulies? To no, he can't be. He might be. He might I mean, be. that's the weird thing about him is that he, he knows horror stuff, so he could, he could be dropping. I mean, putting ghoulies dropping. 2 into Nightmare Alley is genius. <laughs> I'm going to like to think that he put Ghoulies 2 into Nightmare Alley, this amazingly yeah. beautiful, prestigious, very surprisingly dark noir. Well, actually not really, because I know the story and where it ends. But um, yeah, so yeah, but they, yeah, so which is your favorite Ghoulie? Do, do you have a favorite or? Um, let's see. Let me think about all of, all of the Ghoulies. This is a conversation that I've been waiting my whole life to have. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite, I mean, I think I have to go with Fish. I just think he's the most, like, iconic because he's the one coming out of the toilet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think Toad brings a lot to to anything. Aside from being on the cover of Ghoulies 2, writing the number two in the Roman numerals yes. on a toilet with yes. lipstick, which I was like, why does he have lipstick? That's weird, but okay. Um, yeah, I think for me, I think Fish. What about yourself? I like Cat. I think he's a little yeah. Um, he's the chattiest oh. of the... Of the <laughs> you gotta watch three again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. He's real chatty in that one. Well, he's, he's done for Richard Kind, so yeah. Yes. Um, and he didn't, why didn't Cook do that when I first watched three? Because I've only seen three once, and it was after he did the episode. So I need to yeah. watch three again. Um, they're all on Amazon Prime with Australia at the moment, so... Oh, really? That's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, oh, no, you, if you get, like, Warner Brothers or one of those side things of it, so I rented it, but yeah, you, you can get them. Yeah, I have the, the double Blu-ray of one and two together. Yes. And then three separate. And then four is on a disc with um, Howling 4, which is the worst double feature I think you can get on DVD. But... Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> it's real bad. Wait, is four the ones with the bikers? Or is that, an, is that another No, one? that's five. Six. six, I think. Because I think seven is the country bar one. <laughs> one i've seen one of the late or some of one of the later ones that happens to be on tubi and i turned it on and within 10 minutes i went mm, i'm not i need to be living <laughs> yeah i can't i'd, I can't I'd say so i can't sit in the afternoon and just decide to watch the ha- what a ha- lisa howling sequel this needs to be yeah no nothing after to- two really no <laughs> <laughs> i still kind of want to see my supers because i want to see how badly they get australia wrong but um... oh my gosh uh, yeah <laughs> I have it. I mean, I was, well, I did one of those things. It was, I think it was last winter. Things got weird during this pandemic. And yeah. one of the things that happened was I was like, I need all the howling movies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. It's never been something where I'm like, this is near and dear to my heart, aside from laughing so hard at the end of two. But, um, but yeah, now I have, I have all of them. So, <laughs> well, that's, this is the thing about the pandemic that I think it did to a lot of people. They went suddenly, I need all the Howling movies. So I need, no, I definitely need all the um, Critters movies. Or I need, well, actually, the mm-hmm. is a bad example. But it's this kind of thing where you're stuck in your house in your head and all of a sudden you get into the thing of, I'm going to get into the Howling. And no one should get into all the Howling. No, no. <laughs> the first two There's times. a reason we're, we're not talking about the Howling franchise no, <laughs> when we're talking no, about Ghoulies 2. Ghoulies 2, because Ghoulies 2 is just so entertaining. Um... I mean, yeah, so you get to, and I like the fact that they do have these little individual kind of personalities that are very mm-hmm. sort of simple. One meows, one's a fish, one's kind of like the flying guy. 
but you do kind of get to know them. So when they're in the funhouse, I kind of love um, that they just decide, oh, yep, we're in this fun. We're in the devil's whatever, and we're going to put on a show. And, of course, that putting on a show is beating up a bunch of teenagers and destroying that guy's <laughs> tunes, which he was very upset about. Oh, my tunes. <laughs> my yeah. Tunes. I love when a guy shows up after that and he sees the tunes on the ground and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> like he's my just tunes. like, <laughs> <laughs> It's great. I think uh, Fondacaro is amazing in this. I think Sir Nigel is such a a shocking character like when you think of um what was this 84 780 no ghoulies was 88 88 okay uh i was i was prepping for two episodes so some of my dates are a little weird but um yeah i i think of 88 and a little person in a sideshow movie and i think i get nervous instantly for what the portrayal is going to be and instead Sir Nigel is a fully fleshed out character. Uh, Fondacaro has these soulful eyes. And as he's delivering these soliloquies and things, it's just just lovely. I just think he's such a wonderful character in this film. He brings a pathos to this movie that I don't think Ghoulies 2 necessarily deserves. But I'm yes. kind of glad that he's in there. Because you're right. Because as soon as you see um, a little person um, or a dwarf, you're like, in the 80s, you're like, or even the 90s, like it's yes, the early 2000s, even <laughs> even the two, early 2000s. I don't honestly, I think it was Game of Thrones, I think it was, um, what's his name that Peter, Peter, um, that kind of finally went, No, I'm an actual actor who can do actual roles mm-hmm. other than the shit that I keep being given. I can do the station master, I can do Game of Thrones, and yeah, I think Station Agent really was station the movie, Agent, yeah, yeah, where I saw it and was like, Who is this actor? and He's then amazing, yes. Yeah. So um, good. Yeah, and then you watch the Ghoulies too, and you're fully expecting this. I'm a this really terrible kind of where you're like, oh, okay, just the 1980s. This is the roles they were getting. Mm-hmm. This is kind of it, and he's this really sad, um, not broken, but he's just this kind of guy who, because of his size, because of how he was born, is going to be put in this kind of oh, you're a sideshow. Not the fact that yep. he's actually a really good Shakespearean actor and could be yes. on stage um, doing anything. Because um, he's always delivering these Shakespearean um, soliloquies and he mm. does them really well with so much pathos. And so when the scene where Larry's getting angry at him, because mm-hmm. the whole thing is about whether, I love these movies have really small stakes, but they're huge in the movie. Like the side right. is going to close. Like this yep. like, house is going to close. It's not making enough money, enough money. For some reason, there's a suit hanging out at the carnival looking at receipts, which I love. We'll get into him. Yes. Later. <laughs> um, Larry's yelling at Sir Nigel and it's like, oh, where are you going to go? It's this really mm-hmm. hot, gut-punching moment of like, oh, he doesn't actually have anywhere to go. This is his home and this is his, he's not going to be able to go out and perform. This is the only place he can perform and they put him in a shitty little gremlin costume. And the movie yeah. acknowledges this. They're like, they completely, um, yeah, to say that this guy is way better than what he's been asked to do which i think is true of his career because you look at the roles he was getting at the time and it's like he was in willow um he was in he was an ewok Mm -hmm. he was it's like a bunch of he was in a toby hooper movie oh gosh what's the um earth invasion oh um invaders from mars Mars, yes 
So the one he was in that uncredited. I mean, just a ton of stuff where it's like, who's going to fit in this, yes. you know, either suit or special effect, put yes. the little person in there. Yes. And so it's, it's nice that they, he's out there and he's doing this like wonderful dramatic role in something like Ghoulies too. And then they're going to reference the fact that like, no, you, little man, you got to go get in the suit and do this stupid thing. And it shows him react to like being fed up with it. It's just like, what a weird, awesome subplot to put in this movie that's about a fish, a cat, and a rat demon, you know? It really is. It's, um, you're right. It is this weird little subplot, and he pulls it off, and he does it really well, and he's kind of the best performance in there. I mean, this movie also has uh, Royal Dano, who was a big Western guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I enjoy him, he's kind of like the, um, oh, God, next to the Nightmare Alley, I'm seeing all the frigging parallels to frigging Ghoulies 2 and Nightmare Alley. Um, he's the drunk, and yeah, he's, kind of a he's guy the who drunk. Can't, he can't, which I can't have a He's a good drunk. Um, okay, World Dano is not Peter Strathern, but mm-hmm. you know, he can't have everything. Um, <laughs> but he's actually really good in this as guy who's still got it, he's still a magician, and he still um, can kind of do it. But because he's just he's too deep in the pocket of his alcoholism, he's yeah. never going to get out of it. And again, you get that sadness. Um, so when he is kind of killed, it's kind of almost an inevitability that, oh, he was he was either going to die by ghoulie or he was going to die by Lepafaya. There was no kind of yeah. hope for him getting out, um, mm-hmm. which is why you kind of go, oh, but Larry and Nicole are going to get out, um, but which they do. And it's, it's kind of nice in that respect. But no, it does have um, a lot of pathos to it that I don't mm-hmm. think a, even in as much as I love Charles Band, as much as I love um, Full Moon and Empire Pictures, don't you don't usually get that kind of um, no. something like Trances, which I love the first Trances. Yes, yeah, so fun. You're not going to get that kind of pathos with Tim Thomason and um, Helen Hunt running around <laughs> shooting bad guys. But in yeah. Ghoulies Two, you get hints of it, and this is a thing with weird puppets squeaking at each other and like trying to do things but they can't quite get the hand it's not like you know Jim Penn's production where they can kind of you can right. see doing things these are literally like you can see the labor in like They're the guy puppets. trying to tie a rope <laughs> around the thing while trying to uh, yeah you can actually kind of see that labor um and yet you get those kind of in there and it's great yeah <laughs> yeah it's really I mean the first murder of the lady is like pretty harsh i mean there's like biting and gnawing and then one of them is slashing at her with a razor i was like every time i'm like whoa okay i forgot that we were going there and the movie's not movie's weirdly brutal in some respects and some not i mean the guy who's wearing a stupid vest um oh yeah see his murder and it doesn't seem as brutal but because you just see them being like he's wrapped as a mummy and they're using a new mummy okay Um, the mummy we have to talk about for a sec because i love this that they they kill him, yeah. uh, and then he, they wrap him up very carefully and ornately like a mummy, but with, but with the knife sticking out of his leg still. So they've wrapped somehow around the knife. The, the knife is not wrapped. It's such an interesting like gag because you're like, hold on, <laughs> what did these guys do? I have also seen um, the, the Albert Band, which I think we've also mentioned in trailers and other things we've done. Um, the Dracula dog? Um, what was it called? He's Dracula's dog. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Zalt- 
Zoltan? Oh, Zoltan. shoot. And he's yeah. the, the Dracula's dog and Devil's dog, but he has a similar gag where you see the Dracula, but he still has this kind of corpse up and wrapped, but he still has a stake through the heart. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. It's like, yeah, because the rule is in that one, you take the stake out, he comes back to a vampire. But yeah, it's kind of a similar thing with, the, yeah, but you're right. The leg, the, the, the knife is still out of the leg while you've got this very ornate rat dummy um who's bleeding still bleeding through everything i do like that gag that he didn't stop bleeding yes he's still, no, still still bleeding i love it when they throw the the um throwing star and rat eats it that like <laughs> i was just like first of all that was really quick with the throwing star and secondly just bites right as it's uh yeah beautiful. No, the fact that this kid has gone to a carnival with his brother in the first place and just carries <laughs> random throwing stars yes <laughs> you can just throw at random animals i'm just like, like oh the 80s <laughs> yep i mean that was that was 88 pretty much yeah. i mean i think my friend aaron and i like whittled our own ninja swords out in a forest one day <laughs> because we just wanted ninja swords so yeah that was that was the time that was the time to do it but i do love it <laughs> that there's just a random throwing star yeah. and but it's just like i'm just gonna eat that i'm just like going what the this is definitely a throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. Oh, yeah. I mean, when the dudes play music and the ghoulies start headbanging, I was like, whoa. I mean, they didn't even know what music was, but I guess they're just they're party animals, those they, ghoulies. They, they are real party animals, and they know when a party is coming. Um, yeah, especially with their group of teenagers who sort of barge in and just listen to their tunes, because it's not music, yes. it's, it's tunes. Um, and then they just go instantly and just yeah, head banging and, and then screwing them up. And uh, yeah, I just also the reaction to what is happening in that funhouse is amazing because they, yes. everything's very animatronic. So when the kid loses his throwing star and then he um, gets spat on, he goes out and just like proudly showing his shirt to everyone. Look, I got green gunk over me. Like it's Nickelodeon. Yes. And they just run, everyone runs in to watch these. They go, that's awesome, which yeah. is not what I guess everyone else did, because this is the only Ghoulies movie where a Ghoulie spits slime. <laughs> it's just something that's introduced in this movie and then never done again. And yeah. they go so hard on it. They're just like, and then he spits on this person, then he spits on these two people. And you're and just like, they get stuck together. And yeah, what is this? On the boob. Yeah. The guy is just constantly going for the boob no matter what. <laughs> we're in public, dude, just okay whatever but it's stuck on there and they i love how they continue kissing when the gun goes on them they just don't care yeah like, they really want to keep going with us no matter what kind of slime this it's so weird it's such a bizarre thing to introduce that late into a movie and then the ghoulies are released on the carnival which is like so great i mean it's oh. so fun to be like oh now the gags are going to be like hitting like mile a minute we're gonna put one in a, in the popcorn machine we're gonna put a ghoulie over here like it's just yes it's like this and like gremlins too hmm. it's like they you know they look at the tex avery animation and yeah. stuff and they go like okay we're gonna do this kind of humor because like that's the weird thing about the ghoulies is like you kind of watch it and you're like is this for kids or adults like i don't really I'm unsure in a way. And then they do these wide, broad gags. And then I go, oh, this is for kids. Yeah. But then you go back to that first murder where, where they're like chewing on her and slashing her with a razor. And I was like, this is not for children. And why is it that a razor feels like it hurts more than being stabbed with an axe? Yes. I don't. Is it because you know what it's like? It's, 
cut or is it i don't know what it is but a razor feels more bleh than you're so you right scream when you're just being pounded with a, with a yeah i'm like that's fine but you give me a, show me a razor I'm like, bleh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> same same i don't want to get stabbed for sure but if someone was like okay it's a razor or i'm gonna stab you i'd be like you're just stab away because i don't <laughs> want that razor situation at all it just feels so much more insidious for some reason. So yeah, when they get the razor and they just start slashing at her, it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. There is this kind of weird mix of, is this for kids or is this for um, adults? Because I think Gremlins did it a little bit tardier because kids, as a kid, I loved Gremlins and Goalies is definitely yeah. kind of right on that very little dangerous creature like say critters or kind of everything else that kind of happened after um the gremlins came out mm. and i didn't necessarily notice the the dark the dark humor of gremlins and especially in gremlins too which i love because i'm just like they've got a girl gremlin mm. with lipstick that is funny yeah um, which now i know is a whole bunch of other stuff going on but as a six-year-old i was sure. i was actually 10 when 10 when gremlins 2 came out um still didn't know any better at 10 <laughs> um, but it's this kind of thing where you're just noticing kid elements and I wonder if I noticed the same things if I'd ever seen ghoulies when I was a kid if I just got mm. Tex Avery element and not necessarily notice that someone's being slashed to death with a right. razor blade um, because it's it's the gags that you rem- you kind of remember more than the actual hard bonds I mean the guy gets melted to death and toxic waste and you just got that amazing thing where the head just sort of pops up the skull <laughs> floats up yeah the skull floats up and it's gruesome and i love that stuff but I think, yeah yeah i think you they're doing that kind of same thing it's like oh yeah it's for the kids but we're gonna throw some horror in there um and if they notice it well that's on them but if they don't they're just gonna remember um cat and i think toad playing the shooting shooting game where they just yes need <laughs> to the other guy try not to get shot it's, yeah. Um, and those are the kind of the gags, or even when I can't remember which one it is, um, which is my, which was my, my nightmare as a kid is you're on a fast ride spinning around and all of a sudden, oh, like, yeah. like, ghoulies just like, I'm just takes an ages. Again, ghoulies are just doing do 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 because they're just taking ages to do anything. But taking off the nuts and bolts so the thing just goes flying. Yes. Was considering roller coaster. As a, as a trailer, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. They've also, at this point, give us fish in a toilet because you got to have it because it's ghoulies. Yes. Um, that, that, that death did feel haunted and kind of horrifying because you don't know yes. what's happening to him. You're just hearing a scream and you're like, oh, my God, what are they doing to him? Yeah. <laughs> be good. And then I love just the thought process of like, all right, so we got to clean this up. We're at the final act. What's going to get rid of the ghoulies? A big ghoulie. <laughs> it's like, it's so good. And it walks around just as slow as the regular ghoulies. The guy in this very bulky suit, so I kind of imagine, yes. you know. Again, no one really noticing. I mean, they're all screaming and running out of carnival. So I'm guessing it's kind of interesting that he's just walking around, like, hunting ghoulies because he's hungry. Yeah, like, he's just movie, eating like, them. Again, taking a long time to eat them. <laughs> It's really great. I love it. It's the Charles Band way of how do we make this movie 90 minutes? Just watch the puppets do shit it's... for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they pick them up and it's like watching a Muppet eat something where they're just like shoving it at their mouth, but their mouth clearly doesn't open all the way. It's just, I 
It's so great. I love I love every time he goes to eat a ghoulie. Oh my god, it sort of reminds me of which I movie I didn't see all of, but I saw a little chunk of it when I was a kid, Meet the Feebles, because my brother was watching oh, yeah. VHS. And I remember going, Oh, Muppets. I love the Muppets. I want a big Jim Henson. I love Muppets. Sitting down and I'm just like, wait, what is that Muppet doing to the other Muppet? Um, and not realizing that this is kind of the when Muppets do stuff films and they get STDs and they Yeah. Do it's real gross. It's so gross. <laughs> it's a real Anthony, gross movie. I know Anthony saw it. And I just saw this tweet going, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I'm like, I can't argue with that. I love it, but I can't argue with someone looking at that movie and going, I am turned off so much right now. Um, and Ghoulies kind of touches on it, but it's that kind of thing of I've got the puppets here. Yeah, watch him do stuff, um, which I love. But you do watch that big ghoulie eat the little ghoulie for so goddamn long. It's so it's I I love it, but it is it is a long time. I think they cut some of the stuff from this film. I mean, there's not a lot. I think that I think it moves pretty quickly, but yeah. um, so it's it would, with the ghoulies, and you're just watching them going. I'm going to watch you. Put yeah, things on this money. The, I'm going to. Watch you tie a roof around a guillotine. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I, by the way. I do love that they shot it all. It was all shot in Italy on an, in an indoor location, except for like one exterior driving shot with the um, the auditor guy. Yeah. Um, but the rest is like, it's cool that it's just set up in inside so they can just get whatever footage they want to get. I think it it looks really, really good. The pit and the pendulum stuff is really interesting. Um, I was always confused. Why would you use a real blade in a fun house? But I like it. It's a very a thousand and one a thousand co- house with a thousand corpses decision. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that they they you know eviscerate a guy with that, and the blood is only on the blade, not <laughs> anywhere in the room where it would have been slinging guts and blood everywhere. <laughs> like it's just you know even the pedestal where the corpse would have been yes. like totally clean. <laughs> just <laughs> the knife itself is what. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the ghoulies just cleaned certain aspects of it and just left the blade just because they're me and just forgot to or something weird like that. Yeah. Right. There's, um, you're right. It, never, well, I don't particularly want to see it, but yeah, it's, um, you would have been just, that room would have just been covered in intestines. Oh, sorry. so gross <laughs> everywhere. Um, and the poor little ghoulie trying to pool all them together, which just wouldn't have worked. But that that sequence when they string up the first person, it's I think the best puppetry in the movie because they have all these small movements that these puppets can do. They're not you know the most articulated creatures uh, on film, but the movements that they're doing in the sequence and the way that it's cut together, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie because it feels like they're actually you know drawing the person like drawing and quartering or whatever is that what it's called where they're yes, like yeah. hands and their feet. Anyway. Um, it's just something that that I, I get blown away by when I see it because I'm like, oh, it's just like it's all in this nice little moment rather than like the beginning truck scene where he's like, OK, they're going to go to the truck <laughs> like you touched on. He's really projecting it. It's yeah. like this. It's all in the right order, yes, so to speak. It and it's, it's a it's a nice little moment in, uh, in, a, in a movie that I think is just it's really fun. I, I love these coolies films. No, it is. Fun. Um, and I think it's kind of what you mentioned before, because you don't know if they're for kids or adults. It's kind of this weird in between. And I think that kind of gives it the fun of it because you're getting to watch mm. this kind of puppet movie, which I've always been a big fan of, just because I think both of us love creature features. And me yeah. probably started when I watched The Muppets and Fraggle Rock. Um, mm-hmm. kind of started from there. And then other people sort of watched maybe Gremlins or 
something else or Jaws or whatever, and they just kind of love these creature features. But for me to watch these kind of puppets kind of cause havoc and just stroll around the carnival is just fun. I love a good fun house movie. Um, never enjoyed a fun house, actually. Um, no, me neither. I love the fun house movies. I love all movies set in the fun house, but I, no, I don't, I've never had a good time with them, but it's, you do. Well, we're also, of, yeah. We're also looking at two different fun houses too, because one of them is on tracks and one of them you walk through. Yes. And in yes. this one, I've I've been on a few on tracks and I really liked them. They didn't have live people in them. It was more like just a setup. We have a place called Enchanted Forest here in Oregon, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Definitely look it up because it is so weird. It was built by basically one man in the woods, yeah. and it's like all like like little miss muffet sat on a tuffet there'll be like a little statue of her and stuff and then you walk on this winding road well now they have rides and one of them you ride around and shoot these lasers at like dragons or something but it's like because of the budget it's not like disneyland or something so it's like it's just so weird and strange and there's a part where one like shoots over you and this with this loud sound because something has like air has to propel propel it you know so it's this really loud like thing is you're like oh okay that's a dragon um and it's it's just so uh fun and weird and i like that i don't like um want to go to a universal theme park and have someone chase me with a chainsaw no i know i don't want that and i don't i don't want that either i want to watch that in a movie but i don't want like as soon as i hear people you've signed because people are going to touch you i'd be like no i'm sorry no no yeah i I can't i can't i don't even like escape room i hate them like, yeah what now oh god um i I, I went into one that was a hall of mirrors one and i was so frustrated with that (laughs) i was like why am i doing this to myself exactly it's just no i want to watch a movie about a hall of mirrors i don't actually want to be in a horror horror, Mm. horror mirrors and i think that's kind of the thing as well with with ghoulies and why it's kind of so much fun is because you get to kind of enjoy this thing that you may not ever want to do in existence yes there are multiple times you can do them I know multiple people who go, yeah, yeah, we'll go do this. I'm like, yeah, you guys go. I'm just going to go grab a drink and, and yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go relax. I don't want to get stressed out. Thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. And like roller coasters, I just like, I've tried and no, I, I'd rather just, no. Um, <laughs> but no, it's kind of, when you're sort of talking about that, you're that sort of amusement park now, I kind of want to go to experience because it's just built by one guy. But it's kind of like yeah, reverse spirited away because that is all about these abandoned amusement parks because Japan had an amusement park boom at some point. And now you just get all these sort of abandoned ones and the whole thing is spirited away is that one girl goes into this weird land in an abandoned amusement park. And in this one, it feels like, because the ghoulies are just really comfortable in this fun house. Like it's almost yes. like first. So they've kind of gone from spirited away land into to this fun house and gone, oh, we know what this is. I can totally do this and i now i get to decapitate someone and it's gonna be fun (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the fact that the people are all for this i love i mean technically they're helping because okay we must yes the fact that there's a suit and a carny feels wrong because suits do not belong at a at a carnival and the fact that he's there counting um which i'm sure a lot of carnivals are actually owned by big conglomerates and that kind of thing but the fact that they see the suit down there and he's like standing up on a podium going right, I'm going to, you know, if you're not making so much so money, I'm going to come in and then he pays special attention to the fun house. It's a weird <laughs> 80s, only, it's a very 80s plot, but it feels very out of place here. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's true, because how would they know? Like, yeah. you just go to a booth and you pay money for tickets, and those tickets go to the rides and everything. Like, what are they tallying up the tickets at the yeah. end of the day? And being, because yeah. they even go like, personally. yeah, he's like, here's our totals. I think you'll be very happy. And the guy's like, I'll see about that. It's like, what? this is, why is this here? I don't, you need a bad guy, but you already have the goonies. It's like adding like all a lot of 80s, especially 80s comedies always had the kind of corporate bad guy and yeah. so does Ghoulies too. <laughs> they all kind of do. It's like the bad person is the person that's conjuring the ghoulies, uh, but the ghoulies themselves, they're a little, you know, rugrats, but they're, they're not actually the problem. No. The problem is always the person that, that thought them up or whatever, brought them yes. into existence. Exactly. But this is this kind of random guy who has a really horrible death. Um, cause you can only yes. assume what fish is doing to him, but yeah. at the time, um, I don't know if he completely deserved that death. He's a bit of a, I mean, he's a douche nozzle, but he's not, Yeah, I don't think he quite deserves getting his insides ripped out from his butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they put him in a suit in the eighties. I mean, yeah. we, we just, we see him in his sports car. We all know he's going to die. <laughs> Oh, you pretty pretty much. It's um kind of like today because we've been watching Yellow Jackets and um this oh, yeah. religious girl, and I'm kind of I'm like going, well, you're gonna die first. That's yeah. what happens in movies now. <laughs> yeah, did you get through it? I've got two more episodes. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that what they the way they handle those characters is very fun. I think that's a it's a really good series. I'm really glad they got show. a second season. Yeah, it's a really really good show, and I'm just sort of because I thought, oh, everyone's gonna get picked off, and it's not that. So you get more of the Actually, my one complaint is I want to be in the woods more. <laughs> mm. As much as I love Juliette Lewis and Monica uh, and um, uh, everyone else, I kind of want to be in the woods with the girls going, what is happening? Okay, is she psychic, schizophrenic and psychic? What is happening? Um, yes, for the Yellow Jacket, I am now on a Yellow Jacket kick and I, yeah. I love it every minute of it. But That's a good kinda, kick. Yes, but just there's always a thing you see in a horror movie and you're like, well, they're going to die, whether at first or, last yeah. or whatever. But um, no, when they kind of <laughs> like do like how they um, use Sir Nigel's suit, his little gremlin suit, um, yeah. the thing that the big rip, that the big ghoulie thinks he's eating, and then he just blows up because they're like, uh, we've got okay, so what are we gonna do with the big gremlin now? <laughs> yeah, how are we gonna get rid of him? Uh, we'll blow him up. Okay, great, perfect. <laughs> okay, because it's just one big thing. Um, I just like because I'm the notion of like, wait, if there's a big ghoulie, how are they going to get rid of the big ghoulie once he's taking care of the little ghoulies? And it's like, yeah, no, we're just going to blow them up. It's it's quite a spectacular um, explosion. It's a great explosion. Yeah, yeah, it looks it looks really good. Um, anything else you want to say about Ghoulies too? Because I know oh, we do love movies before we move on. No, I think we really covered it. I would say if if you're listening to this and you've only seen Ghoulies 2 once at a sleepover when you were little, I would say revisit it. I'd say watch Ghoulies, Ghoulies 2, Ghoulies 3, skip 4. But but I also heard that the original director from the first film um, and one of the co-creators are going around and pitching as of the last two years uh, in hopes to get a reboot of Ghoulies happening. Uh, They're going for a three-picture deal, I think is what they're aiming for. But the reason I think it's interesting that they're doing this type of attempt is because they want to do the same thing with the puppeteering and some Mm. 
updates on some digital effects, but still having practical be number one. And I think that that's pretty fun, like, because we get a taste of them sort of walking to the truck in the beginning of this film. It's the only time we really see their feet working. Um, The rest of the time, it's all, you know, waist up. But, um, but I think that would be fun to see, see what kind of wild things these ghoulies could get into nowadays. But um, yeah, I, I just think, uh, I think Ghoulies 2 is, is a lot of fun. It's great for Halloween time. So, you it know, really revisit is. this episode next October. Uh, super we fun. Do, we could do Ghoulies 3 in October. It'll be fun. There we go. Yeah. There, Perfect. There, there, there are multiple Ghoulies movies. But no, this is a really fun Halloween movie. Even yeah. It's going to come out in February. But it's because it is kind of a good haunts movie. Again, mm-hmm. choose a haunts movie uh, for trailer. I'm thinking, well, the trailers are going to be chosen. Um, but it, is, it does have that really cool feel to it. Say something mm-hmm. like. Um, uh, not Bloodfest. Is it Bloodfest? No, Hauntfest. I can't remember the name. Daniel Epler, really big fan of the movie. And it's a real fun movie. It's like oh, Hellfest? Hellfest. Kids yeah. get into like a haunt and then get picked off one by one. It's definitely got that kind of low budget feel to it. But no, mm-hmm. I can see Ghoulies kind of coming back. I mean, they rebooted Leprechaun. They rebooted yeah. Master. Is there any other creature, little creature guys that have been updated? No, I think it's just those two. Those two, yeah. yeah. I would I would love it if they gave us one more uh, um Trancers versus demonic toys, or any of those kinds of things. <laughs> no, the doll or, no, that was Doll Man. Yeah. I picked the wrong Tim Thomerson film. Yes, well, Doll Man. Doll Man. To be fair, that reveal of how big Tim Thomerson is in Doll Man is still one of my favorite. It's so good. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, it's fantastic. Oh, it's so good. And uh, with that, with that the curtains are opening again and we're going to be getting into um one of my favorite actually probably no my favorite toby hooper to toby hooper movies what is your first trailer for the fun house okay Ghoulies too obviously i'm a big fan uh the fun house just like you said this is my favorite toby hooper movie um i do love a lot of Toby Hooper's movies uh, from, I, I don't know if it's from when I saw them. I can't say that they're masterpieces, but uh, they mean a lot to me and how much I watched them. Movies I'm talking about, like Life Force, for yeah. instance, that, you know, some well, people don't. That, kind of a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like it is, but, you know, some people, you know, disagree. Yeah. But I feel like Funhouse, I think, just for me, stands head and shoulders above all of them. I think mm-hmm. it's not just a good horror movie. I think it's just a great film. And we'll get into all of the minutiae of why. And so I, for my first trailer, wanted to choose something because just to, just to show people how high I think of this film is I would like to put La Strada from 1954. Ora Gelsomina, questo noi lo rifacciamo tre volte. Dopodiché io faccio un giro intorno alla pista e tu mi vieni dietro suonando insieme a me. Hai capito? Guarda come devi fare. Devi mettere un dito qui e quest'altro qui. E poi basta che soffi. Prova un po'. Brava Gelsomina! Allora vieni dietro. The film's directed by Federico Fellini. It stars Giulietta Messina which Charlie Chaplin said was the most like evocative person on screen or yeah. she moved him the most out of anybody. And just by watching the trailer, if you haven't seen the film, you'll get exactly why. She is fantastic. She's, She's a young, 
yeah. a young lady who is bought by an awful strong man played by Anthony Quinn mm-hmm. uh, from Zorba the Greek, Guns of Navarone, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, Juliet is trapped in this life. Um, just as in Funhouse, the monster played by Wayne Soba is, uh, is trapped in that life. So yeah. I just think it's a, I think it pairs really well. I think it, you know, Ghoulies 2 is like the fun kind of sleazy version of, of what we're doing this, this, uh, <laughs> this evening. And I think that the Funhouse is something that should be looked at and not sort of shunned because of the initial artwork or whatever it was of the drooling mouth. Or, I just think it's so much bigger and better than that. And, yes. uh, no, I you think know. you're right. And I'm so glad that you chose Fellini to, because I'm a massive Hooper mm. fan. And I think he does kind of get pigeonholed as the Texas Chainsaw guy and then mm-hmm. doing all these kind of other movies. And I fully think that Chainsaw is a masterpiece. Um, but because I always think there's more to his movies than you think there's going to be, or yeah. and that, that's sometimes the reason why people go, oh, yeah, I don't like them dicking around the the carnival. I want to get to the, the slasher part. I'm like, yeah, but the dicking around the carnival is kind of the best part of it. Yep, yeah. As well as everything else, as we'll get into. But I love the fact that you chose Fellini because I think again, Fellini has this maniacal sort of humor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just Fellini, like big hands, spirit hands. Kind of yes. Thing, but I'm doing now. Um, so I think, and I, but I think those, I think there are certain kind of directors that have a heightened kind of thing that I think suit each other really well. And I think Rich Fellini is that. I think Toby Hooper is that. Every single time you watch a Toby Hooper movie, it's larger than life. Um, every single one of his movies is this pitched kind of really high. Even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, everyone thinks, oh, that's the most violent, darkest movie ever made. I'm like, yeah, but if you watch it recently, it's insane. I mean, yeah. like I mean, um, uncle or whatever and I mean grandpa is just that is meant to be funny that was yes yeah. <laughs> I think this is hilarious everyone's like going I'm scared I need a hug um mm-hmm. and I think um Fellini can be a little bit like that and I love the comparison yeah she's kind of caught in this life and she kind of can't get out of it and when you watch the trailer it's luminous it's so mm-hmm. gorgeous um oh so gosh. I love the fact that you picked this trailer because um, yeah yeah just like yeah this is one of the greats, and so is Toby Hooper. So, with that, I'm going to bring the tone way down. <laughs> I apologize. Um, because for some reason, you inspired the pinhead in me, and I'm going for Hellraiser Hellworld. I'm going to a real life secret Hellworld party. <laughs> Welcome, Hellraiser. Invitations. But if you need anything, just. Welcome to hell. Wow. I make no apologies about that. Henry Cavill making the weirdest blowjob face I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> um, no, this is a group of kids going into a party and there's something else going on and they're trapped. Very much like the kids in Funhouse going into the Funhouse. Funhouse is a 10 times better movie than Hellworld, but I have a special place for the Lance Hedrickson and the Natalie, speaking of Game of Thrones again, Natalie Dorman and Henry Cavill um, being a weirdo and not really having that great upcoming timing. I have a soft spot for that. Um, so yes, that is my trailer. So I'm bringing it all the way back down. <laughs> I love it. It's like a roller coaster. 
It Perfect. is. Perfect. <laughs> you get Fellini, you get Pinhead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> going, I'm Pinhead. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's not much to say that one, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Pinhead. What is your second trailer? <laughs> okay. Uh, second trailer is Strange Circus um, from 2005. みなさん、今日はようこそ我々のサーカスへ。さあ。あなたは本当に私にそっくり。いつかきっとこれもあなたに似合う役だわ。だって私の母は私により二つだった。それで私は母のようだったし。this is a Cyan Sono movie who did a Suicide Club and Why Don't You Play in Hell, which are two of my favorites of his films. In 2021, he did Prisoners of Ghostland with Nicolas Cage, which I don't think is like, it's such so interesting because I, I could. I've heard it's not great Sono, but it's good Sono, if that makes sense. I could not look away from the screen. Yeah. I was enraptured the whole time, um, even though it's not. I wouldn't say it's like a perfect type of thing, but I don't know. There's just, there wasn't many films that, I mean, I, I loved so many movies and we recapped a bunch, but there weren't many that I could say I just couldn't stop watching and I just couldn't look away. Like he just packed it visually so wonderfully that, uh, that I just think that that's, that's fantastic, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Strange Circus, which unfortunately is a very uh, subversive and deviant film. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's got a lot of colorful flourishes and things that made me think of um, Funhouse and how that there's like deviant sexual themes as there is some some stuff in the Funhouse. Um, so I think both of these trailers are films with artistic merit. And I believe that's how that like the Funhouse should be evaluated, if not um, elevated above, you know, the artwork for the film, like I said. So, yes. I think the artwork did this dirty. Um, like it's just cheaper, yeah. Yeah, it's because the Funhouse is not that that movie. But I saw the trailer for this. I'm still a bit deficient in Sono. I think I've only ever seen Suicide Club, which I really really like. But it, it, there's a lot to take in. Like I'm guessing a lot of his his, his movies. Yeah, I wouldn't be interested like, in your yeah. take for uh, of why don't you play in Hell? I think yeah. that that's one that you might like really. Oh, find that's, interesting that's the one about the documentary crew following around the yes i've been meaning to see that i didn't yeah um yeah i've been looking forward to that because it's that sounds like it's a yeah a documentary film crew follow around some yakuza guys yeah and then they get like a uh, man bites dog start getting involved in the murder of of the thing from guessing yeah they get involved in this game war but no i'm looking i do want to see that one um but no strange circus looks so and much is the wrong word um it's colorful it's sparkling in a way but it's so subversive that you're just like oh yep that's what i picture us on a movie yeah yeah it's like okay we're going in we're going in deep for that one uh i'm just trying to think of my my second trailer i'm just Mm -hmm. trying to wonder if i am going to go with my original or if i'm gonna no you what i went for a todd browning i'm not going to go for though i was considering just doing the basic um bride of dracula because i think oh yeah this movie but instead, I'm going to go for a Toby Hooper acolyte, and that is, of course, Rob Zombie with uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out 
across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... You ain't seen nothing yet. ...is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. Um, a director that I'm still hot and cold on, um, because I think he can push things too far, but every single time he does it, he's got, uh... Otis doing it, and I like the guy, I can't remember his name, uh, Ben Mosley, um, and I like him a lot, so I'm like, but I like you, why are you doing that to taking that face off that woman? <laughs> um, no, I think he's a really interesting director. I think the way he uses violence yeah. is so fascinating, even though it's often a lot more than I can take, especially the hotel scene in uh, Devil's Rejects is sure. still hot. I can't, it's hard to watch. Um, but I think the House of a Thousand Corpses sets up this fun house, uh, Texas Chainsaw World, really well. Um, Captain Spoo? Spalding. Uh, Spalding is great. Um, I love, you fall instantly in love with um, Sherry Moon Zombie and also Otis and all these kind of weird kind of characters that are just around the house. And knowing that everyone that comes into contact with them will die a horrible death. <laughs> Yes. Um, even if they're pretending for the moment that you're not, I think it's um, it's it takes kind of the world of the funhouse and then kind of just expands it into this bigger kind of weird firefly. You know, but I'm blanking on the goddamn name. Um, the trio who used to hit each other all the time. Three Stooges. Um, three Stooges. If the Three Stooges humor was real, what would it look like? It looked like the Fireflies, who are also based on the Groucho uh, Marx. So, which is why yeah. I love Rob Zombie because he is such a big film nerd that no matter what he does, I'm going to go, I see your film nervous and I will always appreciate it even though you're making me feel ill right now. <laughs> yeah, he's such a monster. He's such a monster kid. And uh, and I love that he's like all in on it. I was never a huge um, White Zombie or Rob Zombie music fan. I've come to appreciate some of it, especially in October, especially because I love like remixes and things. And he's got a ton of them. But um whether it's the giant ghoulie and ghoulies too, or, you know, some yes. of the things in the fun house, yeah. it's very much like you could imagine this on stage while Rob Zombie's performing. Cause he would have like the big robots and monsters marching mm -hmm. around. It's like a very, it just, it's such a image, you know, it's so visual. And, uh, and yeah, I think this is a perfect uh, trailer to set us up for a uh, fun house. Who is mad enough to enter that world of darkness? Something is alive in the funhouse. Something not alive like its father. Something better dead. Something that has the form of a human, but not the face. This better be good. It's gonna be great. Something that feeds off the flesh and blood of young innocents. Something that tonight will turn the funhouse into a carnival of terror. Uh, was this a movie you grew up 
No, this is one that I, we didn't have this in the video store. Um, I saw this when my dad bought, he bought, at the height, he had three video stores. So oh, wow. one of, yeah, one of them was in Eugene, which was the sister town to where I grew up. So we didn't get there that often. So whenever we went there, it was very special for me because I'm wandering the aisles of a different store. Um, but I still could pull from it as long as he was going to be back in that area. So um, so the fun house they had there, it was the clown cover. Um, it wasn't the drooling mouth cover. Oh, yeah. I still think the clown cover is fine, but it's still not what this movie, I think, deserves. No. Whereas like the collector's Blu-ray has beautiful artwork. But um yeah, so so I saw it. Um, it's probably a teenager, and it was okay. It didn't really like hit me um, until I was way older and watched it for like a thirty-one and thirty-one, and then was like, "Holy smokes, this is like the perfect. It's the perfect October movie if you want to go with just the yes. visuals of the film. Um, it's just, I mean, I think." Hooper is such a master of making you think you've seen something that you haven't seen. Yes. It's something that I think he gets from Hitchcock probably. Oh, really does, yeah. And, uh, and people, I don't know. I know because of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he's not discussed in the way that like a Hitchcock is, but when you listen to Toby Hooper talk about making movies, he, I mean, he's just as knowledgeable as the, the Spielbergs or yeah. the, you know, the people that are widely celebrated as like, because of their blockbusters um but man he's just so good and he knows who to work with he knows what he wants all the components of this film i think come together perfectly from what is put on the screen to how it's put on the screen to what is not put on the screen it's just so clever and what we're given is so consistent and then the way that he operates um the camera movements and the pacing I of the action this, this camera right the camera movements are just amazing yeah oh my gosh it just has everything i've i want in in a in a film and the uh crane shots in this movie are like my favorite shots in like all of film it's yeah. like it's so beautifully done and because it's the subject matter of a, a circus, it's just like, this is the best of both worlds. Yes, it's, it's just perfect. so great. Yeah, um, I first saw this 10 years ago, and this is actually a movie that got me back into horror. Like, as a teenager, yeah. I liked it a lot because I grew up in the Scream generation, so it was everything from, I know you did last summer, Urban Legends, um, uh, The Faculty, all those kind of movies. And then as I got older, it I fell out of it a lot, which I know a lot of people have talked about, especially when they loved horror in the 90s. And then in the early 2000s, they kind of fell out because that's when you got your more um, sores and kind of cabin fever and kind of everything like that. It, it, it kind of fell out of it. And then, of course, I started listening to F this movie, like a lot of people did. And I think you're right. This was either me going for Scary Movie Month, which is like 31-31 in October, mm. where you just watch a lot of horror movies, or Doomsploitation, which is when you watch a lot of exploitation and what Patrick Bromley does, he runs with this movie, he usually gives you a category a day. So this might've been 80s horror. And I'm sitting down and just watching it, thinking, okay, yep, I'm going to watch an 80s horror movie. My he or he's talked about it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch this one. And it kind of blew my socks off. I was sitting mm -hmm. there not expecting the character development, not just expecting um, Elizabeth Barrage's performance. I wasn't expecting... Yep. 
um, the sadness of the monster. Like I hadn't mm-hmm. seen Texas Chainsaw yet. So this was kind of my first foray into Toby Hooper, which is maybe why I sort of say it's my favorite Hooper. Um, and then the colors and yes, there's lots of screaming, but to be honest, if I was Elizabeth Barrett, I'd be screaming my head off because that's all you can really do in that situation. Um, and I think, yeah, people look at the artwork and expect one thing and then they get the plant house and they're like, oh, but that wasn't, yeah, I think the artwork and the marketing did this movie dirty a little bit because they wanted to show as a shocking horror movie and it's actually more of this kind of character piece. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, I really noticed the way he was moving the camera, especially when she's kind of at the end in that kind of um, uh, clockwork, which is where you got all mechanics. Yes. And it's yeah. just, the camera's just creeping around all the kind of mechanics to sort of, because you don't know where the monster's going to come from. And yeah, no, I think you're right. I think he knows exactly what kind of movie he wants to make. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly where to put the camera. I think he knows mm-hmm. the tone and he's real. I mean, not many people are great at mastering this high pitched hysteric tone. Um, I think, and I think he's amazing at it. Like I think he really yeah. gets it. Um, so you can kind of feel like you can laugh and scream and cry all at the same time. Um, and I kind of yeah. just fell in love with it. And um, I still think every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like this movie. I love it. I love sinking into this bizarre carnival world with these teenagers who just not taking it seriously. And you're just like going, mm, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's so interesting because it was like this is after Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. He's doing well. And this was like, I think, like a four, three or four hundred dollar picture. Uh, so small like Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of thing yeah. and then Universal got into it and so suddenly it went to a three million dollar picture and he now had access to all of the Universal monster Boys. stuff which explains yeah. the little boy's bedroom and yeah. the mask that's the second mask that's used on the monster mm-hmm. um, but he because he's Toby Hooper he knows what he wants and so he wants uh is it Andrew Laszlo, the mm-hmm. cinematographer who did Warriors, because the use of color in the movie Warriors was so much a thing. Yeah. And so Toby Hooper's like, that has to be a signature part of this film. And when you watch this movie, it's like the colors are so awesome. I mean, hey, I don't, yeah. yeah. And VHS, it was, uh, it was cut wrong. I forget which term it is exactly, mm-hmm. but it was, it was the either the wrong ratio or it was the sides were trimmed. So now when you watch it, you get the full picture yes, of, yeah. of how it's. Yeah, I think I saw it for the first time. I got the full yeah. and everything. This wasn't a VHS movie for me. Yeah, it's so um, much better. So yeah. much better. It's, yeah, because I mean, I love the opening scene where the kid walks in and you realize that he's a monster kid. Um, yes. Kind of like, it's, yeah, it's taking, it's a homage to, because it's not making fun of it, it's a homage to Halloween, and it's a homage to um, Psycho. So you've got yeah. the POV, um, mm-hmm. and then the stabbing, and then you pour, then uh, Amy's having a shower, um, and then you realize, but when you realize it's a kid, like in Halloween, but it's a fake knife, and you realize, yeah. oh, this kid is just, likes monster movies, he's not actually a Michael Myers, he's just like a a kid who just likes watching Frankenstein and 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 Psycho and all those kind of movies. And I only noticed this time around, I sort of noticed in the camera movement and the interactions when Amy's yelling at her brother, going, I'm gonna get you back. I'm gonna scare you like you've never been scared before, you little shit. And then you're like, oh wait, because he is gonna get because yeah. taking you to the carnival, you can forget that. I mean your actions have consequences. I'm like, oh he is gonna get scared. 
um, in a way that he's never been scared before. And it's because he's alone at a carnival and he should not be. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of, he sets up the whole movie in that first scene and it's so deftly done. It's just like, oh yeah, this is when you first got a budget and you're able to work. And they, I'm guessing Universal just left you alone and you've got to make mm-hmm. which unfortunately yeah. what happened to him later in his career. <laughs> yeah. They like rented a theme park in yeah. Florida and set it up and I guess the film company just let him do his thing and um so they just he just got to work and I love that like you said it starts out with a fake out um one of one of many actually in the movie where he's yeah he's just he's toying with us the whole time it's so fun and uh I think it was on the blu-ray commentary um with Tim Sullivan Mm. and Toby Hooper and it's so great because Toby says during that uh, opening bedroom scene, he's like, yeah, it's an homage to John, not an homage to John Carpenter, which is what you and I would say, yes. but this is somebody who knows the person. So yes. he says, it's an homage to John. And then there's the psycho element yes. of it too, which is Hitchcock, which is another influence. And I think any of us that love movies love when the directors talk about influences of theirs or you know aspects that they're either playing an homage to or playing with um we just love the minutia of all of that and so you feel that you're like oh there's there's like a purpose to all of this it's not just you know i gotta get from point a to point b i don't know whatever's gonna happen it's like it's so well opening credit sequences you know one-on-one next to the text it's no it's just like it looks so good um I wish I had all those things I guess Toby did he kept a bunch of them and they were in his home (laughs) Oh, that is so good because I love the opening credits in this movie of yeah. the animatronics. Um, mm-hmm. and the fact that he said, you know, this is a homage to John. I love the fact that you're like, oh, you two have gotten drunk together. This is like, yeah. you, uh. you know John, but I've got a sneaking suspicion there has been things when you've just gotten drunk with him and yeah, yeah. hanging out and maybe hopefully Wes Craven was there. I don't know. Wes Craven yeah. doesn't look like he was the kind of guy to spend nights drinking whiskey. Toby Hooper and John Carpenter, definitely yes. Um, or getting smoking weed or something. Um, so there's a kind of like a yeah, I'm this I'm doing this for John. I'm homaging John. He may find it annoying or he may laugh. I it's like a yeah, but I love the opening credits to um uh to this movie because you see animatronics and it's just animatronic monsters. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't this is a movie that is telling you what exactly movie you're getting into. I'm like the poster art, the original poster art. Um, but this is a, you're just like, I'm like, yep, I'm getting into an absolute creature feature here. And yeah, in every way, shape or form, I'm going to have a blast with it. Mm-hmm. And the score and the way that it kind of just unfolds. It's just like the whole thing. Like I say, it just feels bigger than what it is. And like, you know, hearing uh, to- Toby Hooper talk about, you know, whether it's, carpenter we we're talking about them like hanging out mm-hmm. having conversations you know they would be talking about all movies not yeah. just like what horror movies or things like because their influences are huge and wide and vast and yeah, like and that both, would be amazing to hear yeah both directors wanted to make movies not necessarily horror movies that's kind of what mm-hmm. they got pigeonholed into when they made great movies because of that um so they're some of my favorites but at the same time, they would just be talking about movies. I mean, can you mm-hmm. imagine listening to John Carpenter talking about westerns and Toby Hooper as well? I mean, it would just be, it would be magic. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, 
that would be incredible to have that kind of like, I wish they would have DVDs that just had that, just yeah. <laughs> not even related to whatever movie. <laughs> it's just like, here's these two directors. Be, that would be my favorite. More special features just need to be two directors talking about movies. Um, yeah. There's a great um, director guild thing with Ryan Johnson interviewing um, Paul Thomas Anderson about Phantom Thread, but they barely talk about Phantom Thread. It's just oh, great. talking about David Lean and, and other movies that they just kind of like. And I'm just like, this is what I want. I don't want them promoting the movie they just made. I just want them talking about movies that they that they like. Because I yeah. think that's kind of when, yeah. So more special, yeah, I would love that. And to hear those two greats just talking about movies that they like, I think would be absolutely incredible. Um, yes. Yeah, but you're right. This movie looks bigger than it actually is. Because when they do get to the carnival um oh my god speaking to the characters characterization i mean when you first meet buzz you think he's going to be the arsehole like he because he kind of is um right he's just kind of like i just want to kind of get laid why is your father being a dick why are you being difficult um but he softens and he realized no 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 eric is just the dickhead in this situation um but when they first get to the carnival and you kind of get to see it all kind of laid out it feels really natural it's not like a gag it's just like what would these kids do if they were at a carnival at night and it does yeah. feel like that yes they're taking the mickey out of it they are being scared but pretending not to be especially with the cow um which i just was does that no second nose work or is this kind of <laughs> it's, it's, those b- both of those are real animal anomalies yeah, yeah. uh that they got because uh, all, all the sideshows it used to be a place called boomtown where all the sideshow people kind of lived on a campground in florida yeah. and then they would all go from there out into the states um and so they have farms where there's those animals and things so that's that's one thing that toby talks about where he's like it's it's sad but it's those are real (laughs) yeah and you do get that sense of oh that poor thing because that's like a freak show is kind of putting these things on display for you to kind of gawk at and yeah this is that cow and it's not going to live like a normal cow life it's going to be penned up in this thing of people going at it yeah yeah it's kind of a sad existence but at the same time it kind of feels very natural to what that thing is um especially going back to again nightmare alley again i'm sorry i apologize so yesterday that's kind of what it really focuses in on is is Mm. none of these people at the carnival are good but this is just the life they lead especially when you get into the geek which is almost like a prison sentence for this person it's like hellish existence but that's kind of what people were wanting to watch Back in the day, um, they when we didn't have TV podcasts, you know, phones with music on them, um, you're watching this stuff. But I love how the kids are kind of trying to throw their bravado into each other because they kind of know each other, but they kind of don't. You get the sense that Liz and Amy are friends, but the guys don't necessarily know each other that well. Right. So they're trying to be bravado. It's like, yeah, let's stay at the fun house. Let's mock this fortune teller let's kind of thing not understanding who these people are what the cons- any kind of consequences is coming their way and i love how them dicking around at the carnival is just setting up these characters so when shit does hit the fan you know them and want them to be okay even though they're not going to be okay if that makes sense it's kind of like yeah yeah massacre. you want everyone to be safe but you know that they're going into a situation where the rules don't apply and they I don't know what those are and where the place is going to put them on a hook right. kind of thing. This is kind of the same thing. They walked into a situation where they didn't know the rules and all of a sudden now they saw something and Eric being a dick 
took something and then now shit's about to get real. Yeah. I I do have to say, so we start off with the with the bedroom scene and the yes. and psycho fake out. Then we get the credits, which are awesome. I love it. And then when we get to the carnival, the circus, whatever we're calling it, um, Kevin Conroy is so incredible. Yes. And he he when he got the job, he was like, I want to do it, but I want to play all three Barkers. And this is something that drove me crazy the first couple times I saw this movie because I was like, these guys all kind of look the same, but they kind of sound different and are dressed different. But it's all the same actor as different Barkers in a yeah. way. And all of his spiels and speeches and the way his eyes dart about as he's, as he's talking and mm-hmm. daring them to enter the funhouse, he's just... He's so good. And just like one of those performances in this movie that like, like the magician, what's his name? William Finley. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bill Finley, William Finley. Um, doesn't have to be this interesting. And Dude. he's just utterly fantastic. And he's painted like a corpse and he's got like bright red lipstick. And I you're just like. Seriously, watch his act for the whole yes. movie. Like if they just like gone, let's just do some weird magic acts. I'd be, yep, let's do this, please. I, I, he's so the way he moves and you write it's so good he just the way everyone moves i mean again this is you get this sense that toby's starting to flex like yeah um salem he's made you already texas chainsaw um Mm -hmm. and he's really starting to flex his muscles like oh i can actually i'm getting a bit of uh, money behind me i can actually start doing things i'm going to get some really amazing character actors like Kevin Conroy and William mm-hmm. Finlay and just let them kind of do their thing without do it. Yeah. Do it. And it kind of, yeah, it didn't, like, yeah, first time I've been trying to watch is like, is that the same guy? And then I read it, like, oh, wait, you play all three bars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's so good. And it, they, there's, you know, stories about working with Toby Hooper where actors like Kevin um, and like uh, Bill Finley definitely also brought stuff and they would go up to Toby and, and just say things and he would be fully flexible to be like okay let's try it or let's yeah. do this and and he remembered uh lines that like kevin conroy came up with like the when when everything goes down with the the monster his son um the part where he's like we'll just blame it on the locals that came from kevin that wasn't yeah. in the script and i love that, that to hear directors or even like how toby will show up on a set and not know where the camera's going to go until he's standing there and looking at the actors going through a scene and how cinematographers would be driven up the wall because he would just be, he would see how it would play out and be like, okay, it's here. And then everyone's like, great. Okay. okay. (laughs) Don't you, it's like, just imagine that cinematographer's like, because we have to set up lighting. We just can't point a camera and shoot. We have to do all the stuff. He's like, hang on a minute. And there's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and he wouldn't, he only storyboarded stuff that was like heavily special effects driven. So something yeah. like this was not that. And so just imagining Toby going around and, you know, or, or like the, the crane shots, he actually went up on these crane things and he said it was just utterly terrifying <laughs> to be up there. But the shots are just remarkable. Oh, they are. I mean, you do get the sense of how big this circus is as well. It's most Ghani movies just because of, I guess funding you get little snippets in there but you don't necessarily get the grand kind of scale of it and then with the fun house you do this is kind of like a contained town that they're in yeah yeah um so they're going going into this other town and you really get the sense of that i love how the fact that 
the outside rules aren't going to apply. You're in Carney Town or Carnival Town or a circus. Um, yeah. And you need to follow those rules. And the first thing, of course, the kids do is they're like peeking into things, trying not to, mm-hmm. they're annoying kind of the thing. And I love the fact when things go down with the monster and the fortune teller, I think, or whoever. And he's like, oh, we'll just let the locals blame it on the locals. You can kind of tell that's a kind of a carny way of dealing with things. Mm-hmm. Is that because you move constantly, um, what you do in one place doesn't always matter because you're going to the next place straight away. Um, and you get that feeling of it. It's so it's so beautifully contained because you're in the fun house for a lot of it. But when you're actually out in the carnival, you get that same kind of contained sense and mm-hmm. it's just perfectly, perfectly done. Um, but no, Kevin Conroy is amazing in this. Everyone I think is really good, but when you in Kevin Conroy is just doing very specific kind of performative things as, as a, as a, as a, a Barker. And then you see him as himself and he's just so good. And so matter of fact about it. Yeah. Um, he's terrifying in how matter of fact he is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the real monster in this. It's he not, is. you know, just like in Ghoulies, the Ghoulies are like, well, I mean, <laughs> they're trying the to ghoulies. do the best as Ghoulies, but, but they're not like the person that's really making the Ghoulies. And sure. he is the person that is far more um, evil than this, his son who has no choice, but to hide behind a mask, which is a fantastic Frankenstein mask. Talk it's, about a character. You could see wander around on stage with Rob Zombie. It's totally. this dude. <laughs> but I love the reveal of him when, cause he's wearing this Frankenstein. Yeah. Mask. Like, okay. So you don't see him for a while. I think even when he's with the fortune teller, he's still wearing the mask. I think it's after she's killed. Yep, or, he's yeah. still wearing it. Yeah. So like, he's kind of got this mask and when you open it up, it's like the cow. Um, and you're like, holy shit it's like an amazing like wig reveal or something like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's or like, hatchet i think hatchet, i think hatchet has a good one as well yeah yeah um it's kind of this, this amazing kind of re- reveal and then you get um actually another movie that owes a lot to toby Hooper and hatchet um it's it's yeah so you get these kind of little reveals and when you see what the monster actually looks like he's kind of like the cow he's you feel sorry for him instantly, not necessarily, and a little bit horrified, but you also feel sorry for him like the cow because you realize there's nowhere else he's going to be able to go. And no. it's he's stuck in the situation. So when it's Kevin Conroy kind of moving, oh, we'll just go to locals, we'll just kill these kids, everything's going to be fine. And he doesn't really want to do that it's just because he just realizes, well, if this carnival closes down, what the hell am I going to do? There's nowhere I can, I've been bred up in this place that accepts me kind of but only for the transaction i can give them um it's yeah it's yeah it's it's amazing and everything is just done i'm just gonna say everything i love because i love this movie so i'm gushing a little Same. bit but i love how he um reveals that and just with the fact that these kids have seen this whole takedown like you know the transaction with the fortune teller then um the how they're gonna hide the body and then eric just deals to seal the money and of course that adds this added danger so like I didn't think it'd be a big deal it's like what you didn't think stealing money from a crazy barker was gonna not end well yeah <laughs> it's what so you, what are you thinking it's we uh we got right into it and skipped over one of my favorite parts oh, which so, is yeah. um when they go to hide inside of the funhouse mm. Toby Hooper does the smartest thing in showing that the carnival is going to be shutting down by showing the individual automatons and then they're slowing down and stopping working. And it's like shot, 
you see them surrounded by black and it's just like it's so well constructed to be like the credits as well because the yes moving and then yeah they slow down and stop it's yeah you're right it is i'm bouncing all over the place but um you're right that is an amazing moment it's so good and so just like just visually telling us what's happening there's no character being like we're shutting down now it's just like closing time this is what's happening and then we get the wonderful telescoping crane shot of the boy walking away and it pivots it's so cool this is one of my favorite shots of all time as he walks through and the way that this is shot the it looks almost like miniatures the uh the actual rides and things look like they could be miniatures but there's live people and so it's it feels almost ethereal in a way it's just it's so cool and then it launches into this whole sequence that we've been talking about but it's such a great transition into like it shows again like we were talking about how he has these like calm moments and then these punctuated moments and then he'll like just slowly push in a camera shot after something intense has happened where we as an audience are like is it over and then because he's already played with us a couple times we know probably not (laughs) it's like something's gonna happen it's so good it's so good and even before then when the kids are fooling around in the fun house after it's closed and they're kind of in this garden fake garden area where it's like greens and reds and blues and they're all making out yes naked and it's kind of like it's literally babes in the woods Mm -hmm. the contrasting scene with the creature with the fortune teller and she's like yeah you gotta pay you know i want more money you're gonna get a handy yeah very transactional which very carny if you watch any kind of carny movies you know everything based in a carnival is very transactional and these kids aren't these kids are not based on transaction they're actually based on their connections based on emotion um whether they want to get to know each other they're trying to get to know each other liz and amy Mm -hmm. are friends um and i love the fact that i love the scene of them just falling around because it is literally babes in the woods they have no idea it's like a fairy tale they're in the woods they're hanging out it's all gorgeous and beautiful and then there is something literally underneath them that is going to go wrong very very quickly and they're going to be Mm -hmm. witness to it which kind of kicks um the second part of the movie off in terms of action um i know a lot of people sort of say that they spend too long at the carnival and they want everything to happen inside the fun house but i love the stuff when the when they're hanging around i think you need yeah you you get to know these you get to know these kids you get to know how they're gonna because that kind of adds to this amazing character development Mm -hmm. Um, because i love buzz as a character the fact that he actually steps up is amazing and the fact that eric does not um Mm -hmm. i love you get to know these characters really intimately um so when shit goes sideways you kind of know and kind of don't know how they're going to react at the same time. Um, Cause you already get the sense that, okay, maybe Buzz isn't as big a dick as you might think he is <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. Um, and he definitely redeems himself. And then you're like, Oh no, no, Eric is a big, is as big a dick. I got very focused on Eric. I was just like, why are you doing the things that you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when they do see the creature kill, accidentally kill the woman um because he she's something and then of course kevin conroy comes in and is doing his thing and then they realize that they're stuck in there and that they know that they're in there it's such a stomach dropping moment of like oh oh no okay this is and every other movie has that in the first 10 minutes yes you've kind of been led to and now you're just as much in it 
with them as you're just as much as geeked as they are, which I kind of like. It's a good um, audience surrogate moment. Yeah, it's it's a perfect setup, I feel like. And I just think it's important to have the time. And I think all the time outside of the funhouse is perfect. I, I don't understand people that would want it only in the funhouse. Um, one of the stories that I really love about the making of the movie is that they were shooting where the five of them were smoking weed behind the circus tent. Mm. And um, Toby says they shot it like five times. And during one of the last shots he was like it's raining here and then they realized that the ride above them had been on for 15 minutes and people extras were on it and they were <laughs> vomiting and passing out because and like they didn't need it's not even in the shot you don't need people on the ride it's so funny that they just forgot about people that were just puking all over like, you the ride, please. yeah oh gosh that is awful but um but yeah, I mean, I think those exterior shots, you need them. I agree. I think the setup, like you said, once it's it's all in motion, you're just like, well, I don't know where we're going to go from here. And because of how the film is structured time-wise, it's going to clip along pretty quick from this point, you know. And But we're not – like, he, he sets up some things where we're seeing some of the same automatons, but he still has new visual things to show us. You know, we get the giant gorilla mouth yes. opening part yes. and – you know, we still have some just amazing visuals to come up uh, against as the film wraps up. And it's just uh, some of the places that you end up. I mean, I know people complain that the Funhouse wouldn't have a basement, but I just think it's such a great thing. Like, just that they go with it. Where you else know. are you going to get your sneaky hand job other than yeah. the Funhouse? I, I don't, yeah. Um, yeah. Where else are you going to get it? <laughs> I know. I mean, for anyone that wanted to see Frankenstein to get a hand job, this is a movie. <laughs> It really is. Um, and he is a literal Frankenstein. And just like Frankenstein is an asshole, just like most of the stories are, yeah. um, he thinks he can kind of control everything. And this poor guy is just like going, okay, so he's telling me what to do and I don't want the fun house to close down. So I need to take care of these kids now. Um, but the deaths in saying that, actually, no, I like one death is fine. The rest are actually very, the other two are actually kind of heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, Liz's death is so gut-wrenching like oh no because it's this tra uh, tragic inevitability and saying with buzz's death even though he has a hero's death mm -hmm. but eric's death is just fun yes <laughs> especially because he's actually telling the story that you actually kind of getting into the psyche of this character which is again i noticed and then how the stories they would tell each other like mm -hmm. saying you know i was in my brother's closet i was going to jump out of him and scare him but then i suddenly started to think what if he knows I'm there and just waiting for me? And then I started hmm. to get scared. And I, had, I stayed there for three hours and my parents found me. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like this, oh, you're just a scared little boy who doesn't necessarily think about a situation until you're in it hmm. like this. And that's when the rope comes down and speeds him up like a noise. Yep. And then he's hung. But I, I kind of like the fact that Toby, who's a sense of humor, keeps bringing the body back, especially when Buzz like chops him in the head. Yes, chops him in the head. <laughs> That's uh, so good. And then later on, when Kevin Conroy sees him, he can't help but look at the the corpse in the car. And that's when Buzz gets the yeah. That's when Buzz tries to like knock him over or whatever because he's like, I gotta just take one more look at this. Like, this, this is just too good. This corpse but that's around and around. That part with um, where Kevin Conroy catches them, this shot is with. The camera's just to the right of the mm. pistol that Kevin Conroy is holding. And the way oh, that that shot yeah. 
it's framed it's such like it just makes me feel like film noir in a way like where somebody gets to jump on somebody it's like it's such a classic shot and because of all the lighting and the cinematographer and everything it's just I could have a poster of that on my wall just Mm -hmm. that shot of that two of them with the pistol in the front it's just it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing I think anyone that rewatches the funhouse just pay attention to how the shots are framed and everything it's there's there's so much more going on there than just a horror movie about a mongoloid guy or something there is um there are so many shots that you could just hang on your wall and just go ah that's a perfect shot yeah especially again those crane shots you're talking about before with the little boy sort of seeing it goes down and realizes that he doesn't know how to get home um and then is kind of just hanging around and that moment when i love the shot of elizabeth barrage i think um, I think she's left, I think it's finally after she's alone and she kind of gets to a window and she kind of sees her parents walking out. Oh, the fan. The fan. Yeah. And she's screaming and because the fan's on, they can't hear anything. And it's yeah. just the way that is shot. I think there's some blues and purples around it that is so devastating because he always keeps giving you these little lingering things of hope, especially say with Liz's death, um, mm-hmm. when she's kind of trying to seduce the monster just out of desperation and the monster is kind of like, oh, maybe some, it's heartbreaking because he's like, oh, maybe someone actually genuinely likes me. Yeah. Like hard moment. You're like, and then you see her, oh, like, maybe she will get out of it. And then you see her pick up the, the um, tool and you know, it's not going to end well once that happened, but he keeps giving you these little moments of hope that things might be okay. Yeah. Or stabbing so, the monster in the back when, yeah. you know, when they're like hugging and the, uh, because she can't escape through the through the vent and once she stabs him then he like shoves her down and he's gonna just he's just mauling her with his claws but we don't see it again it's a classic classic hooper yeah we see the hand pull back and the blood on the claws and it's so like like that's how we would tell it around a campfire type of thing like you know it's like screaming and then the hand and you see the blood on the claws it's just such a classic storytelling component that like it's just perfect. Like it's just, and the color of the blood with the blue and the white of the skin, it's just, it's just so well done. And yeah. This movie is actually kind of perfect. I, yeah. I don't know how we have to describe it. I mean, Toby Hooper's always been kind of a messy director, but he's so good at controlling all the kind of the messiness that yeah. many people see the messiness and they don't see the construction behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so every, yeah, everything's thought out. Everything is like every single, I mean, it's got, I said with the hand, if your hand comes up, Mm-hmm. and it's perfectly framed um i mean this is not a director who's figuring things he is kind of actually you know, he is figuring things out how he goes but he has such a mind for it that he yeah. knows well if i can get the cinematographer camera there and like maybe do the lights there to know where they are now then that's the shot i want that's how i got the image in my head so he's mm-hmm. got everything you got the feeling he already has everything in his head moving forward um but yeah it's just i mean i love amy Barrage's performance. I'm not Amy. Um, Elizabeth Barrage's performance. Yes. In in this, I think she's so good as this innocent. Um, and I tend to love Toby Hoople's final girls because they are just they don't necessarily fight back, but only to what they can do. This isn't. I mean, yeah. I love Nancy. They're not Nancy intelligent. They are not. They are just normal people who were just trying to survive a situation and it's often mm. by luck or by accident the fact that the creature does get caught up in the mechanics and that's a hell of a death um and then yeah. you can finally just walk out and it's 
not because she did anything. It's just because she happened to survive. And I love when she's down in the mechanics of the funhouse. Yeah. Oh my God. The way he moves the camera, like he's constantly, yep. you don't know when if you're waiting there with it because you don't know where he's going to come. And the fact that he comes from behind is perfect. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's an update on like a, like a, like a haunted house ghost story thing. Cause you have these like hanging chains that yeah. are clinking around and the bolts of light. And it's like, Oh, it's like, yeah, I get it. But it's like, you have this, these cogs that are grinding and moving and uh, it's, it's so good. And like you said, when she walks out and we get the second of the tele, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Telescoping crane yes. shots. Um, and you see her walk out of the whole, it's just, it gets me every time. I'm just like, oh, this feels so good. Like this just feels like such purposeful, meaningful, like, eff- I mean, that the, some all the effort he's putting into these shots and components. And this was the last shot that he shot for the film. He called a wrap after this shot. Yeah. And I just think like that must have felt amazing to see yeah. this is your last shot. And there Elizabeth is walking through all of that. And, oh. And the fact that you've got that lady, the big lady laughing. Yes. Um, she's just, terrifying. She's terrifying. <laughs> it's kind of like punchline to a movie. Yeah. That doesn't have a punchline, but it does. And it's just a beautiful full stop. Because you mentioned before that uh, uh, Hooper's, this movie has punctuation. Like you yes. stop, you get the kind of the event. He pushes in on a big vent and he pulls out and then you've got something more happening because he's always playing with you. It yeah. feels like it has a full stop at the end of it, like a punchline, and then that's it. Camera goes yeah. back. And it's, the grammar in this movie is just so well done. Um, mm-hmm. He's like a perfect grammarist. Like I suck at grammar every single time I write. It's it's whatever. <laughs> oh, uh, um, yeah. My wife but, edits for me because that's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't I don't necessarily always know where I'm meant to put a comma or a colon oh. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, semicolon. I, I get very, very confused. Um, but watching him do it on film um, mm-hmm. with perfect punctuation is and grammar is absolutely amazing because I think horror's kind of seen, even though we're in a renaissance, horror's making, we're getting all the best sure. filmmakers making horror, it's making money, we're in a renaissance. I think there was a period of time when that kind of stuff didn't ma- matter in a horror movie. I think because of the likes of Carpenter, Wes Craven, Toby Hooper, which is why they are considered the masters, they actually understood the grammar and actually used it mm-hmm. in a way. And I'm saying this because I also like movies that don't use that grammar. Um, oh, sure, me too. Yeah, but they kind of know the grammar they need to make certain movies and they use it in all completely different ways, which is kind of the brilliance of art is that you can take these kind of structures and then just kind of meld them into something completely different, which I think Toby Hooper did. And because he had the wickedest sense of humor out of everyone, I think you've got these moments when he's just like laughing at something and everyone's just like going, ha, 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 Um, And I love the fact that he thought like that because you do get this very red humor, especially in this movie. I mean, this is the movie where Frankenstein's monster gets a hand job. Mm -hmm. That is some, yeah. um, and And it's sad and it's kind of pathetic, but at the same time, it's, you can't deny a living creature something like that either. So it's, yeah, it's, it speaks to more the creature than I think it does to anything else. And I think it's such a great, moment even though you're just laughing at it go yeah you got a hand job (laughs) Um, (laughs) well because then it goes from like that to the shame that he like you know he thought he was going to have sex but he couldn't handle the situation 
yeah. and like she was just trying to get him ready for a sexual like encounter and yeah. you know he uh you know couldn't uh yeah, stay sure. in okay. yeah. yeah we go yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> i tried to be sensitive to a monster in a movie anyway um yeah and and so then there's like the sadness to it and then he's angry and then you know the anger results in him murdering her and you know it's just like it all happens in one scene it's mm. just it's very like oh my gosh and that same thing like the same film has this, the part where the boy walks out we get the awesome crane shot he climbs a fence that has the the there's like um like lens flares happening. I don't know if yeah. that's what you call it from back it's then. Kind of, yeah, not exactly, but it's a similar effect, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like an optical thing that occurs, but because of the type of lens and everything, but the, um, but it's just like that, it's it's just so good. I don't even know. I get, I just find myself at a loss for words aside from just repeating, this is really great. <laughs> is, yeah, I'm a bit like that as well because this is a really great movie. And again, it has... He does this all at once. He puts pathos, humor, Mm -hmm. um, something that is absolutely terrifying in the same kind of moment. I mean, Eric's death is kind of hilarious. Then you get um, Buzz's death, which is he has a hero's death. Like he's actually fighting to try and save Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And him and uh, Kevin Conroy kind of get into it and both are kind of killed. And just the way he's being held on the – the clown. The clown kind of draped over with a knife out of his chest is such a beautiful. Image. Yes. It's kind of like that's the hero's death. We gave you the hero's death, and now he's kind of just laid out like a on a on a thing. Yeah, um, and again, it's it's we don't see it. It's presented sure. to us, yes. and that's how we're clued into it. But it's not like we're watching him get a knife slowly stuck into his chest for mm-hmm. five minutes, like some some films would go that route. But Cooper does this very clever, like what we're seeing and what we're not seeing it's so it's like the magician you know in like misdirection and everything and like our eyes are looking here you know it's like he's really got the magic trick of pulling this film off in such an effective way and when you watch it you're like okay you faked us out there you faked us out there you gave it to us here you made us picture it there it's like it's just so well done and it suits what a fun house is it yes um, it's all about um uh trick of the eye are you seeing what mm-hmm. you seeing is actually real or is it fake or what's going on you see this image you don't see something something's in shadow something pops out at you and he kind of takes what the fun house is and just kind of yeah and that's kind of what you get and it's kind of an amazing experience but then because he's such a great director you also get characterization you get pathos you want to know you want these people to be okay i want mm-hmm. uh amy to get out of this so she can go back to her family, even though it's a very boring, typical family. Yeah, um, yes. I, with a grumpy dad and a kind of a, a, an asshole brother, but you want her to go back to that because that it's, again, like Wes Craven liked to do. He'd like to have you this safe, traditional kind of thing and then the outside forces coming in and this is, you want her to be able to go back to that safe home. Um and you know that she's changed forever because you can see that look on her face when she's walking out of through the carnival during the yeah. daylight. Um, she's never going to be the same. And how do you describe that night of just like, oh my god, this happened? How how is she even going to tell people about that night? I don't know how that will even be possible. It's going to take weeks of just her figuring out herself what happened. She's probably never going to watch Frankenstein again. That's for no. sure. <laughs> 
her poor brother's like gonna have to pull everything down we're realizing yeah. like monsters but this is not gonna be a thing yeah all the frankenstein stuff's down that's what's happening <laughs> <laughs> you mention it and you'll yes um, <laughs> no never watching frankenstein ever again um and so yeah no i keep saying i love this movie and i've been doing that a lot lately um but I love this movie. It's, it's yeah, the, same. This is amazing. It's one of the great. Um, I don't even know. I think it gets characterized as a slasher movie. I don't even think it's a slasher movie. I think I, do, I agree. I don't yeah. think it is either. I think it's something else. I think this may have started in script form as a slasher movie, like as a killer Frankenstein monster running through a funhouse. But I think it's. And the slasher else. cycle yeah. was definitely going on, but I think that he purposefully didn't want to make a slasher movie if i if i'm remembering correctly mm-hmm. that was his intention to not do yeah so i think that that was a conscious effort to not because i mean otherwise this monster would have been running around just slashing people with its claws left and right which would have been a little too nightmare on elm streety it would have been um and i think toby Hooper didn't make those kinds of movies because even though i know uh, texas chainsaw is considered like one of the first slight well it's not even a slasher as well i mean yes where the face is killing people but it's not it's a little bit more intentional than a slasher movie say with even michael or freddie it's something yeah. else um and i think that's what toby was really good at um leatherface is some other thing he's not just the typical kill he's like the amazing moment in chainsaw when he's sitting down by the window going why are all these kids coming to the house right <laughs> you don't understand what's going um, on what's here what's going on um, and this monster kind of has a similar thing. Like he knows he has to take care of these kids because his livelihood, his very livelihood and, and his very life depend on it. So you get that added element and these kids are just trying to get out of a situation where they had no business being and now they're in and now they don't know how to get out. So it's kind yeah. of, yeah, it's not a slasher movie. Um, it is definitely, a, it is a horror movie because it's got those kind of horror tropes and you're definitely playing around with them. But it's, yeah, it, it's kind of, that great 80 because this is 81 and uh the slasher i think i read i think uh rob antiquarius said there were like 29 slashes in may ever released in 1981 like this was at its uh, height um yeah. and th- this i think is often because of it is often counted as one of them but it's not it's it's its own mm-hmm. creature it's its own doing its own thing yeah because i mean with the slasher there's like stalking happening and yeah. here there's something that sets in motion that these kids have to be stopped in some way from yeah. escaping or what have you, but it's not like he's going around killing the teenagers that are having sex. Like it, there's like components, like the teenagers definitely wanted to have sex in that yeah. fun house, but, um, <laughs> I mean, but like staying in the, in the old land in a fun house, if you don't have sex. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's like, uh, yeah, no, it's just for me, it's so much, very much not, not a slasher hmm. and, but it is a horror movie. And it's a horror movie that, like, every October during 31 and 31, there, I, I theme the days. I do everything I can to push myself into seeing things that I haven't previously watched before. So I'm not just watching favorites. Yes. And um, there are exceptions, uh, like Trick or Treat is something that we watch every year because it has all of the, the Halloween minutia in it yes. yeah it has all of it. it has the masks mm-hmm. has whatever um and the fun house is the other one and also uh, the fog is a great way to start off 31 31 but sometimes i leave that off but the fun house i always watch every single year at least in october because 
you know, whether it's the automatons and the credit sequences or when it powers down, the setting itself just has the feel of like spooky October. It does, um, yeah. You know, the Frankenstein masks, the kids' room, like the whole movie just exudes this um, love for like the horror pathos. And I just think this this film, this special little nugget of joy, like deserves to be celebrated every year, at least at least in October. It does. Um, I watched it every couple of years, um, but I still absolutely love it. But I think you're right. Yeah. This has got, it's, it's, I didn't think about it when I sort of suggested to do it. I said, oh yeah, because I just love the fun house. But I think you're right. It's mm-hmm. such a good October movie because of the automatons. The way the credits open, the fact that this movie drips in creatures. Like it's yes. like a creature feature movie. This is um, a celebration of the creature feature movie mm-hmm. um, more than anything else. So it definitely can get you in that kind of Halloween um, 31, 31 scary movie month-esque mm-hmm. mood because all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I I'm, I'm watch- I want to watch more because it gets you in the mood for watching movies about different creatures and everything like that. Um, so, yeah. Imagine, right. <laughs> imagine what Twitter would say if the Funhouse came out now, just in how they respond to movies with color involved. They would be like, this is such a good giallo, this uh, this movie Funhouse. And then we'd all have to be like, this isn't, it, not everything that has red and blue in it is a giallo, but okay. No, it does not. <laughs> um, yeah, God, the girls that got of the red shoes came out, they'd be like, it's a giallo. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> not. I get what you're saying. You see colors, but it's that's not the defining, okay. No, that's not the defining element of, of a giallo. That's the defining <laughs> element if I watch uh, a certain Arjun, uh, Dario Argento and yes. type movie. Um, yeah. Other people were using color. That's, oh, man. It's um, it's kind of incredible. Like, oh, my God, I love it. Like, it's even I was talking to Ryan, mutual friend of the uh, One World podcast, and he was, like, going, no, I think um, – now, Science Iro is much more shallow than Malignant. I'm like, what are you, nuts? Malignant <laughs> is much more shallow. Even though those movies aren't necessarily just shallow, there are other things going on. Sure. Um, but it's just kind of what you take from shallow. Like, I take weird knives and and, and um, visions more to be, that's what I kind of like, which I probably like in my shallow. And Ryan's like, no, I like that sense of mood and that sense of yeah. what to get with a shallow as well. But it's just kind of interesting to sort of, see what, what another person thinks Jalo is. Like I recently asked Daniel from Cobras, what do you think Jalo is? Because I am not answering that question in front of the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even mean like, like someone like Ryan who from, from New World Pictures. Yeah. Um, I always want to say New Line and then I always feel terrible if I say it wrong. It's that's, just a, that's a very I don't know. Where that, yeah. Very different. But, uh, but I know Ryan knows like a lot about genre yes. films and watches yes. a ton of stuff. So I mean, yeah. You know, I feel like, <laughs> and I, and I, yeah, I mean more like the, know, the, yeah, people there's people that. on, on Twitter and stuff that just heard of the term Giallo and I'm not saying I'm a know-it-all by any means. I'm not painting myself as an expert, mm-hmm. but I feel like Giallo has just entered conversations in like the last five years or something crazy is what it feels like maybe 10. And so it's such a new thing that's getting either a repraisal or, or something that's happening. Is. Yeah, so less of you and Ryan probably know been watching Jalo for a lot longer than say. No, I'm really late to Italian cinema stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm not an expert. 
but I think feel like he knows a lot. But I mean, for a lot of people, I feel like they just heard of it and somebody said it like malignant or something. And so then they're just like, oh, okay, got it. Everything that has purple is <laughs> just like, no, no, no it's not, not how it works. Funhouse would have been thrown in there for sure. Yes, it was, just, it was sort of more of this, as, as Jalo interview, I'm like, mm, I don't think it was. I think actually looking at a few other sources for what he's yes. doing, it's not, I mean, he, there's a lot of influences going on in there. I would say more, um, Press, uh, not Chris Berger, Power, Michael Powerwood, I would say mm-hmm. more influence on what Toby Hooper's doing with the Funhouse than actual Jalo. But I think it was just interesting, the conversation I had, I'm like, Ryan probably knows a lot more about Jalo. I don't know why I'm pushing back on it. Yeah. I think um, you're right, though, because we all have our own defining characteristics of it, you know, the things that we picked up on. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think if uh, The Fun House came out today, it'd be like, oh, that's a shallow influence movie. Uh, And then Twitter back and forth (laughs) for like two days would be insufferable. (laughs) It's like, yeah, like um, Daniel's expecting a whole big scream discourse. And then he messaged me and he goes, there was no scream discourse. I went, no, everyone, I just thought it was fine. Isn't that weird that it just like, it was okay. Like two days before that, people were complaining about a, uh, what is it? The new Ty West poster looked yes. like a different movie's poster. And that was like a whole day. On what a poster looks yes, like. I know. Posters like, and then all of a sudden screen came out. And I was fully expecting everyone just to go masterpiece, worst piece of shit. What's going on yep. here? Blah, blah, blah. And then went, sorry, I went, I can see a few things that would get the thing. And then everyone just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Like, did not see that. Yeah. How weirdly refreshing. Weirdly refreshing. It was like, yeah, it's fine. Not the worst, not the best. It's just fine. And I did not think that could exist on social media. No, I was shocked. But I also haven't seen the last part of two or three or four. So I haven't seen a lot of Scream. I'm, well, I was, I'm a Scream acolyte. So I'm just going to say you're going to have a good time. Um, yeah. Them. Um, especially Scream Two, um, which has some particularly amazing one-liners and okay, a, I'm excited and a reveal that I think works worse now because <laughs> I think of who's involved. Um, in terms of them being more well-known, I think. Um, but, oh. Um, it, but it's 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 a hoot. I, I love it so much. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It yeah, was just Wiz a weird. Wiz is on fire in that movie. Some of the corner shots he's doing of just like rounding things and you not seeing things coming is. Yeah. Did he do all four? Yeah, he did all four. Scream 4 was his last movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I thought he did like a, what was that one with the lady in like a mental hospital? No, that was John Carpenter. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. The world, the world was Carpenter and then Scream, yeah, Wes directed all four Scream movies. Um, Scream 4, I think you, you feel that he's tired and asking himself uh, why he's doing this. <laughs> why are we doing this? Like Bev Campbell, why are we making, why am I making tea? <laughs> Oh wow! Um, but there's got some really interesting stuff in there, and you see when he's really kicking into the action that it's it definitely worth just for some of that Wes Craven action magic. I think mm-hmm. which he really built up in the screen movies. So I would definitely recommend for thirty one thirty one checking out, even if you just check out two. I think that's probably the best out of the sequels. It's the most giallo, is what you're saying. Yes, that's what I'm <laughs> it's the most giallo. I mean, you can definitely see Wes pulling from. Uh, <laughs> Sergio Martino now. Right. You're going to get so much hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, I have no idea what a shallow was. What are you talking about? 
It turns out there was no Scream discourse until Lindsay Wilkins said which Scream is the most giallo. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And now I'm canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just from film from specific quadrant of film Twitter. And I was never ever like there to begin with, but somehow I've been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> At least you've been canceled. They wouldn't even know to cancel me. I would just fly I, right I, under the radar. I don't. I think this. I think I would fly right straight under the radar as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'd be going what? Well, someone's got to get canceled. Let's get uh, Daniel and Ryan canceled, and let's get them to ring in. What's their favorite giallo aspect of Scream? Yes, they can get canceled. <laughs> exactly. Challenge a, a challenge for you, uh, uh, both Daniel and Ryan. There we go. Now we'll know if they listened. Exactly. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about the funhouse before we wrap up? Oh, the funhouse. That's what we were talking about. How jolly is it exactly? <laughs> right. Oh, man. I mean, the blues and reds. Um, I, I don't think I can say any more nice things that I have already said. It's it's one of those things where it's it's one of those moves that I love so much where you feel like you just want to repeat yourself over and over because yeah. it's just like like Kevin Conroy I could talk about forever that Barker I feel like he just lives in my brain with what the way that saying? he's challenging yeah. and the way that it cuts to uh, Elizabeth is that her name? Uh yeah the Amy or Liz? Uh, it's because Elizabeth Burge and then there's a character another character called Liz. Uh, Amy. Amy. I think I think it cuts to Amy standing there, and the way that he like locks eyes, and then it cuts to her, and then behind her is one of the automatons just doing its thing in the mm-hmm. background. It's like, like I've said numerous times on this podcast, it's just it all feels so intentional. None of it's just like steal a shot this way. It's no. just like every setup is just like Toby going, yeah, this and yeah. this angle, and have this be the part, and the stings with the soundtrack just work perfectly. It's just. It's the perfect whole, everything about it. It's it's a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. Uh, please see Funhouse if you haven't, because I yes. absolutely adore it. Um, and yeah, watch this with Super Jello. Um, I love Jello. Watch, watch um, Funhouse. Watch Funhouse first. Watch Funhouse first. Yeah. That's going to get anyone canceled. Um, <laughs> no, it's, no, watch the Funhouse. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie that I don't think, I think people who really love horror and especially love Toby Hooper especially love the fun house um mm-hmm. so i think it's like when i realize that people don't always love halloween who don't know horror that well or don't like or think halloween 3 is dumb and i'm just looking at them going oh no. no yeah oh that's right there's a section of the population who don't care about his halloween as much as i do and therefore don't necessarily want to have a three-hour conversation about halloween 3 okay that's fine same uh, as same screen if someone does i do screen, yeah <laughs> i can easily have a three-hour conversation about halloween 3 um same. yeah um, so it's just that kind of thing, but I think it's just so goddamn good and everything feels so intentional. And there's always automatons, I think I said that right, um, in the background yeah. somewhere. Something is always moving in the background. Mm-hmm. And I think that just sort of speaks to how Toby Hooper saw this film working. I think it shows how smart he is as a director. Um, I know this is why Spielberg chose him to direct, and I think, yes, I think Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist, but this is how we got the job mm-hmm. Poltergeist. Um, and because this movie is just that good and that's all I can really say it, that it's awesome. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Um, before we go, please do tell the people where they can find your good work. 
Oh, great. Yes. Well, uh, VHS is the podcast, and you can find us on any podcasting platform. That's VHUS. Uh, we're VH underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, the website's vh-us.com. That has um, every episode has original artwork attributed to it. Um, and so that's super fun. You can find all the visuals there. I'm trying to be better at Letterboxd. It's just Dirk Marshall. Um, so you can see the things that I watch that aren't uh, episode related. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the, that's the Bollywood, not Bollywood, because Bollywood is not exactly what you've been watching, but you've been watching a lot of Indian horror lately or? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I go through weird phases of yeah. things. And so it's been a couple of months ago, but you're watching a lot of like Jaws knockoffs and also like going. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that's I just live in that. I have a whole section <laughs> back here that's all crocodiles and mm-hmm. sharks and small creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a baboon section now that has a couple. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I. Uh, it's from growing up in the video store, I think, is I would find one thing and then be like, what's this about? And then kind of go down that rabbit hole. And so, um, yeah, Godfrey Ho is a director who would take like three different movies or sometimes a TV series from India and then cut them all together to make a somewhat narrative. I'm doing air quotes. And uh, that's where something like Crocodile Fury comes from, Uh, which then throws me into like, I got to watch all these crocodile movies from around the world rather than just like one specific area. And so that'll go for a while. And then, you know, Sharks was the time before that. Um, Yeah. Animal Attacks are like, that's some of my favorite stuff so i'm a sucker for all of that but but yeah and then i found i did a um it came up on one of my episodes one of the new release late return ones where i found a shark movie from india that was a bollywood shark movie and that's probably what you're talking about that was called a tank and that (laughs) i put a clip online where the shark is like this (laughs) the size of like a a giant boat like this kid floats floats into its mouth it's unbelievable (laughs) and that shark movie is impossible to find i mean those of us that have the disease where we have to hunt these things down it is insane the hours that we'll spend digging for things only to find something that's barely watchable just so we can sit and stare at the uh at the screen going okay now i've seen that thing so yeah so you must be looking forward to the fact that screen factory is releasing alligator and alligator 2 then uh alligator yes i have well i do have alligator it's um it's a rep from check this thing out um you can see it i love some of these rips because it has it in not english like the back of it the whole synopsis looks korean yeah i think it is korean some of them too they'll be like written in korean and then it'll have like greek subtitles because you're just like wait where did this so it it adds this extra layer of just surreal weirdness to these things but alligator was a favorite of mine from the video store days Um, my dad's video store i used to have the vhs i think an x had it at one point and i just don't have it anymore so i'm very excited about that the mutation the second one isn't my favorite um so i already pre-ordered the first alligator which then resulted in me pre-ordering a bunch of other things that are coming out because I was like well while I'm opening the wallet like I think a lot of us have the problem where we're like 
well, what's one more until you look at your card and you realize how quickly $30 multiple times adds up and you're like, oh, that was the uh, other day. Like, I just went, yeah, I just like, oh, I want to get some Samo Hung movies. That, then my credit card, I'm like, oh, yes, that's that's why I should. That you got the collection, didn't you? I got the three movie collection from Eureka. Oh, I want that so bad. Yeah. Um, I, the, I didn't get Millionaire's Express, but I'm really tempted to, but I did get the, um, the three collections like the Magnificent Butcher, Eastern Condor. Yes. It looks very good. So I was just like, I, yep, you up. This is the day I'm going to splurge and I'm going to get Samuel Hung. <laughs> I <laughs> just. A few other things. Uh, I just pre ordered something. This might not be the best for the podcast, but um, part of the reason I pre ordered was because there was a movie that I hadn't heard of before that is a Australian post-apocalypse musical i'll look it up and but i've never heard of this movie i watched the trailer for it and it is like it's it's an australian apocalypse musical and i was like this i should have heard about (laughs) it looks so crazy i don't think vernon wells is in it but somebody that looks just like him but um yeah they got like mohawks and it all looks like you know, your typical everything's yeah. in a steel mill apocalypse movie, but um, but then they start singing songs and a guy flies around on a rocket on stage. I was like, what is this? So that was a that was that was a must own. You know how that goes. I do I do know how that 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 goes. I know that very very well. I'm like, what is this? And I do do I need it? Yes. Okay. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was looking at my collection personally the other day, and I was like, what would somebody do? Like if I was like, you can watch whatever you want what would a normal person choose from the things that I've chosen to own? Um, yeah, because I don't think I'm as, I'm definitely not as eclectic as you, but then I'm even looking at going, I have a lot of hammer at the moment. And um, yeah, normal people wouldn't know what to do with that. No, it's kind of like, I'm just even looking at it because it's just over on the other side. I'm just like, yeah, because I've had a friend uh, who borrows it occasionally. He's borrowed my Hitchcock and my Steven Spielberg. Um, that's great. And that's it. I think he's looked at the others and gone, I don't think I'm going to go for the uh, Henry Herschel uh, <laughs> box set that I got, um, which is going to be my transportation, by the way. It's going to be great. Um, or my, uh, even my like Korean Vengeance trilogy. I'm like, yeah, but it's old yes. boy. Everyone knows old boy. And he's like, mm, what's old boy? I'm like, oh, I need to educate you. Um, yeah. yeah my my wife like, years ago was like, she was homesick and she said, what should I watch? And I was like, I don't know, Visitor Q? And so, so she watched Mika's Visitor Q. And she's like, why would you have me watch that? And I was like, I don't know. The part where she's lactating and the guy's underneath the umbrella is pretty interesting. And she's like, oh, it's so weird that you own that and that I watched it. And I was and like, I, I'm, and I I'm still sorry. Work, and, I'm like, and I am your wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, well, I don't know. I think about that sometimes because, like, you know, really, the weirdest thing about being weird is the normalcy of it like I don't ever think like oh I'm into strange things because it's the things that you're into it's just totally normal when someone mentions that's weird and you just go yes. for a second and you're like is it <laughs> it's that's the thing is like I'm yeah. like oh here's my movie selection and people look at it and they're like what are these and yeah, I'm like, like what do what, you mean what do you mean what's who, what do you have Marlena Dietrich and Mae West I'm like because they're awesome <laughs> yes yeah. old films same way yeah. and especially because there's a large demographic of humans who don't intake media the way that that people like us do or uh, you know anyone that's into like 
films or physical media because there's people that go oh i went to the movies and you go what did you see and they're like oh the movie that was playing like mm -hmm. that's how they they don't put any other thought into yeah. they just enjoy whatever it is which is beautiful i love that but sometimes goes, oh i went and saw um whatever movie was playing like say just because of i'm waiting from the 4k the last door i enjoyed it i went yes that is a good movie or they went so i went and saw this movie i'm like oh, yeah that is cool they're not very rarely will they i did it for he said oh yeah i was watching this movie on netflix it was um i think it, i can't remember what it was but it was something i was surprised that they watched I went, you watched that i went yeah oh and my mother watched crawl i was so surprised <laughs> that's she amazing goes, she goes i watched this movie it was about a house and an, all these that's so it. cool mum was this crawl she goes i don't know but the guy got his arm bit off i'm like mum you watched it that's amazing you watched it all the way she's like yeah, I was, I was terrified the dog was going to die. Everyone else got eaten, <laughs> but the dog yeah. didn't. And I was like, no, the dog makes it. Like, have you have you seen the trailer for Swim? No. So it's a new movie that's coming out. To, I'm not saying people should watch this. It's, uh, I think, I yeah, it's Joey Lawrence from Blossom. And, and it's the same premise as Crawl, but with sharks. So there's a beach house and the waves splash water and a shark into a house. And... Joey Lawrence is there. Look, I don't know if it's going to be good as Crawl because Crawl was... A it's not going to be. No, yeah. Because Crawl was a surprise and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. But yeah, I can't believe my mother watched an Animal Attack movie because she does not usually like anything like that at all. Like, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh, shit, mom. <laughs> There's also uh, The Requin. Have you seen that trailer? No. Oh R-E-Q-U-I-N. It's Alicia Silverstone in a shark movie. Oh, no way. I've seen this. No. I don't okay. Know. Okay. Um, one movie. I've never finished Open Water. Oh yeah. And I don't know if I can. So as soon as I realized they're actually in the water, I was mm. like, "Oh, if you're not on the raft anymore, I don't know if I can." Handle yeah. That. No, I got that. I don't like those movies either. Listen, because I would say, "Oh, I like. I want to see an Alicia Silverstone movie," but you're now getting you're in the water. Okay, with no with no other. Yeah, and then you know that there's not going to be any real like there's no prosthetic sharks it's going to be all cg and yeah. so i was like oh i'm not gonna see no. that the whole idea of being stuck in the water with no anything crap out of me. oh yeah i don't even go in the ocean i just look at it and i'm like nah i'm good <laughs> <laughs> you stay there. yeah yeah i don't mind as long as there's like a boat or like some sort of raft or something mm. <laughs> and if they're in the water that's when i get i can't i can't do this <laughs> yeah, it's one of those horror tropes that totally works for me because I'm like, yeah, we shouldn't be here. The whole idea that we're out here is like, no. Terrible. I love, do love the idea that the whole reason they're out there is because the tsunami takes their like little cabin. Yeah, their the cabin. <laughs> it's such a dumb premise. Oh, man, I can't wait to have to watch it. Oh, I probably will end up watching it at some point, even though I'm just going to be like, no, no, stay out of the water. No, go. Um, <laughs> um anyway it has been an absolute blast talking to you um, um, yes as it always always is um we've already you've already shared your stuff because we went on another beautiful tangent um, did it did it so i guess if you want to listen to schlock and all it's just schlock and all one at instagram and um twitter oh my god sorry i've said the vaccines my brain's just like i can feel my brain just slowing down there it is it's, it's kicking <laughs> in it's kicking in you've been boosted i've been boosted i'm officially <laughs> slowing down um, oh, no. um yep you can follow me on reading geek at uh letterbox 
as well as Twitter. Oh God, it really is really starting to hit me because I don't write any of this down. Now showing. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with um, another double next week. Thank you so much, Doug, for coming on. This was an absolute blast as always. Again, you'll be back with another little feature. And hopefully I won't end this episode sounding like Yay. a boozy, um, shutting down all <laughs> <on> the <my tongue. laughs> Shutting down now. Shutting down now. Um, which you should all get boosted, by the way. You should all get vaccinated. I'll get boosted. Mm. That way we don't get it too bad and we don't give it to people too bad and we can just kind of live like normally. Um, I'm the program cup. I don't know. Anyway, I'm losing it. So I'm <laughs> Thank you for so listening. We'll be back with another double feature. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>